All right. What's going on, motherfuckers? Yeah, I said motherfuckers. Okay, Dan. So before we get into uh, who is in the studio today, because you may or may not see this video, as always, who knows what's going on with the video, right, guys? Fuck that guy. Fuck the video. I'll figure it out eventually. I was at Best Buy today. Uh, looking at a couple of computers, actually. Uh, MacBooks and uh, some high-powered Surface Pros, because mine is just kind of a piece of shit. Low-powered Surface Pro, so... We'll get to that eventually, but hopefully I can get some video up. If I can't get it done here, I'm going to take it to somebody else's house that's got a computer that will render this thing, and I'm going to download the Adobe Premiere Pro software on their computer, and we'll figure it out. But real quick, before we get started, I'm going to do an ad. TNRiverRaft at gmail.com. You've heard me talk about it before. Slayton Johnson up there in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. He is doing good stuff. Right now, the season is closed. I just talked to him the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And uh, the rafting season closed down a couple weeks ago, actually. But Slayton says he's a, he doesn't close. So if you're still interested in going rafting, the season is over. You can't get a tour. You can't get out there and, and find a place to go raft. TNRiverRaft at gmail.com. Hook up with uh, Slayton Johnson. He'll take you out no matter what time of year it is. You could have some icebergs out there in the river. I don't know. It could be snowing. Uh, Slayton's going to get you out there, I guess. And um, he just doesn't close. He wants to make some money. He wants to give somebody an experience. I think you have a different experience uh, during the off-season than you do during the on-season, for sure. So look up uh, Slayton Johnson. Email him at tnriveraft at gmail.com. Do you have an ad, sir? No. I was actually just thinking, um, have you ever thought about doing ads as you go throughout I not, have done that not occasionally. Before or after? Well, there is, there's pre-roll, there's called mid-roll, and then there's post-roll. So you can actually Don't do get smart with me. three different things. Mm-hmm. You can do it anywhere you want to. But um, I like to kind of get them out of the way because I'm so I don't forget about them. Sometimes I forget about them, and then I throw them in after the fact. Sometimes I've saved them for the end. So I've done it all three ways, I guess. Oh, I've done three ways. I'm just talking. I'm, I think it'd be cool. You know? You're talking about topic? It pertains to something that uh, someone does around town or whatever. You just throw, throw an ad in right away. You could do that. The whole thing's an ad, you know? It is. It's an ad for life. Ad for, yeah. Keto Dojo. Everything's I wasn't even going to mention the Keto Dojo well, today. Or Homegrown Brewhouse, but now you do, now we've done both. Come on. You were. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't going to mention it at all. It's part of it. It's part of everything. Well, before you get into ad, to an ad... Who's in the studio today? Me. That's usually what I would ask Caleb, but he's not here. So, <laughs> yeah, we got uh, we got Brian Dales, two point the new Brian. New Brian, two Brian Junior. in the studio today. Yep. All the way from Flagstaff, Arizona. Because my father wasn't uh, original enough to give me a new name. Well, you know. I was just trying to, to go with tradition because there was a lot of juniors mm-hmm. in the family mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was, uh, you know, there was, a, there was other juniors in the family. <laughs> so I thought it would be a good idea and um, it didn't take a lot of work, to be honest with you. Yeah, that, I know. That's the main reason. You should just, and, just you know, that. yell at your mother because she was on board with it. She didn't fight me on it. Yeah, you're both lazy. Then you get, I, I tried to get super creative on this. On yeah, the second, on the second and he's got a great name. He's got a very unique name. Uh, it could have been even more unique. Not really, because it was going to be Bruce Lee. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that would kind of sucked. 
Well, it was after my brother Bruce, in a way, and then it was after Bruce Lee. Which you don't want to name uh, anybody after Bruce? Yeah, I'm glad I did now. <laughs> yeah, but I could have. I tried, but I got 86 on that idea. So I'm not liking the way my mic is sitting today. But uh, yeah, so we got Brian Jr. all the way, my uh, firstborn son, all the way from Flagstaff, Arizona. This thing is all out of whack. It's always something. It's always something with this mic. Right? You don't you don't like the chair. You don't uh, like the yeah. mic. I'm all out of, <laughs> I'm all in the wrong position here. I thought you were doing an ad. No, I said I had to. You're gonna do it in the a middle. Comment on doing ads. I didn't have an ad. <clears throat> all right. So. So no ad. I got something on my shirt. We're no doing ad, a video right over here. No ad right now. Well, we might not do the video. So. I mean, it's on. It's going. Yeah, but who knows if it's going to work. The video works. It's just a matter of getting it uploaded. Exported and uploaded. So, let's open a beer. Let's do that. If you're not going to do an ad. I'll do gonna... it as we go. We'll do it as we go. All right. So, we're going to open two different beers. i got to go back to my other uh, page here. Bam, bam, bam. Hopscutioner. That's what I'm drinking. So, it's an IPA. Terrapin Beer Company. Terrapin is out of uh, Athens, Georgia. <clears throat> this beer is 7.3% ABV. It's got 71 IBUs. It's got a 3.77 average rating. Over 140,000 ratings, actually. Uh, added to the page here in uh, 2010. This killer IPA earns its name by using six different types of hops while still remaining an aggressive, well-balanced beer. That's all it says. I'm going to be pouring it in a Freehouse Brewing Company glass, local brewery here. And I probably could have not been rude and poured my guest's beer first, but... <clears throat> but um, Are you going to taste yours and not open mine? Is that how you can do it? Excuse me? You can taste yours, critique it? No, go ahead. All right. Well, so uh, Brian is going to open his now. He is drinking a... Also a Terrapin Beer Company beer out of Athens, Georgia. 6.5% ABV, 77 IBUs. Beer called Panama Crunkles. And uh, it was added last year. It is a pineapple and papaya IPA inspired by Central America. Tangy, juicy, and tropical. It's you. Uh, it, it's exclusive to the 12-pack that we got. I'm oh, yeah. a big fan of 12-packs. True. Uh, I buy them more than single single beers now. And see, I never buy 12-pack. I think it's the first 12-pack I've had in this house. Well, Tommy Tommy buys some 12-packs. He'll buy the Citradelic 12-pack or Voodoo Ranger 12-pack. Yeah. Those are, yeah. But you buy the mixed packs. What you're I saying? like the mixed packs. Mostly. I like the mixed IPA packs. They got a Red Hook pack that's a bunch of IPAs. They got a, you know, fruity, piney, citrusy IPAs all in one pack. It's affordable. You have them for the week. It's great. Yeah. And they're usually all right. Yeah, this one's pretty good. Yeah, tasted that one earlier today. It was very tasty. I can't tell, because I'm bad with flavors, man, but I can't tell what I get more of, the pineapple or papaya in there. Pineapple. Pineapple. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Well, because the pineapple just lends itself so well to the IPA hops. Papaya, usually, it just, I never really get any papaya. It's just there as a fucking descriptor. I'd have to actually go buy a papaya and taste it to remember what it even tastes like. Right. I can't remember the last time I've had a papaya, but... Who can? Write in if you've had a papaya in the last week. 
I'm trying to remember the last time I've even heard the word papaya. I think it was from a, from a Seinfeld episode, like in 1987 or 1997, when he said papaya. papaya. It's not uh, very common. Yeah. Well, it's not really uh, indigenous to this part of the country, anyways, right? To any part of the country. I, don't think anyone, I mean, I don't think anyone can you even go to the store and get a papaya. Oh. I know you can get a pineapple for sure. Anyway, you taste more pineapple. Yeah. This hops Kushner is basically just a, it's like a, to me, just a traditional, uh, like a West Coast style IPA. Just kind of heavy hops, heavy bitterness right in your face. It's not a, uh, like all the stuff they're doing now with the papaya and the pineapple and the, the juiciness and the haziness and uh, the New England style. This is kind of just a classic bitter hop bomb. Yeah, it's funny when we were at, I don't know, I don't know which bar it was yesterday when we were hopping around, but the bartender yeah, we seemed, talk about that. bartender there seemed super agitated on uh, New England IPAs. It was like, fuck New England IPAs, I hate that everyone's doing these, everything tastes the same, it's all hazy and... Was that Chris over at Edmunds Oast? Because <clears throat> I know we talked about Charlestown mm-hmm. Infirmatory and some different things and Common House... Wasn't Chris? I don't think it was Chris. It might have been. To Josh. But it's funny because, you know, I we just started kind of having a big influx of New, New England IPAs on the West Coast. And uh, everyone's like, oh, man, this is good. I, I'm really into New England IPAs, but it seems like some people here are kind of washed out. Well, but I mean, it's just like everything, right? P- people just have to hate on something. They just want to hate something. Yeah, yeah. It's popular, people are hit. Right, so I think it's because of the popularity, but it is kind of oversaturated as well. So I can see, I can see both sides of it. I can see there's probably some people that are just bitching just a bitch, but um, I've kind of got burnout on them too. You know, I, I work at at the homegrown brew house at well, one seventeen. Here's, here's the end. at one seventeen South Main Street, and uh, we got forty taps on the wall, and probably at any given time we've got uh, two to three New England style IPAs on the tap. And we've probably got a couple sitting in the refrigerator in a can or a bottle. So it's very oversaturated, and I get a little tired of it as well. Yeah. But you can do that phases. with any style of beer, There's phases. You know, people go through phases. So. But I like them. I think they're very good. I like them, too. And like I said, I'm more into the have a beer every night after work. And a 12-pack usually has a bunch of New England IPAs, at least now. Yeah. The Red Hook pack I got this one. Oh my, <clears throat> this one didn't really have. Maybe it did. Did this twelve pack have any room in IPA? Did not. Whoa! All right, there you go. I mean, that would be the closest something to it, but it's not even close to it. But yeah. Um. Yeah, I remember when we went out to Colorado Springs. There was um. I think it was at Go Patch, as a matter of fact, wasn't it? That they had a New England style IPA, and I said, Dad, that they're just not doing it as well over here. As I feel like we're doing in South Carolina, and then I said I don't even think we're doing South Carolina's doing as well as they are up in like Massachusetts or whatever. So right, um, it definitely had you know it gets its own style or its own kind of makeover depending on what part of the country you're in, and they kind of put their own spin on it, whatever. But I didn't think they were as good out in Colorado Springs. They were good. Nothing was good about Colorado Springs. Uh, Go Patch was good. All right, Go Patch was good, and the elementary school concept that it was in was good. Right, but the place itself. <clears throat> Is a hellhole. It's a hellhole. It's a dirty... Downtown proper was okay. You know, that one it coffee didn't... shop we went into... I don't think you redeemed it for me. 
It did not. I mean, it was 10% okay and 90% not really that good. You couldn't even get marijuana in the place. And I didn't even care. I didn't smoke marijuana, but you couldn't even get marijuana where you wanted to get marijuana. Right. Yeah, you you think that the entire state is, is an entire state into its unto itself, but it's kind of like the United States. Every state has its own rules. You know, you have a federal law. You have state states are okay to do kind of their own thing. And then I guess within those states, even the counties are able to do their own thing. So... Yeah, we get to Colorado Springs and we're looking around for some recreational weed because it's legal there. And Colorado Springs uh, proper right there happened to be one of the three cities within the state of Colorado that you could not get recreational recreational weed. It was only medicinal. You had to have a card. So, yeah. Seems dumb. That's just, that's, I feel like that is just like the uh, New England IPA, you know? Colorado Springs just wanted to say fuck you to the rest of Colorado. You think so? Because what? What they say? There's only like three counties or something in Colorado yeah, that don't. Yeah, three counties. Yeah, come on. That's what I just said. Were you listening? No, I was thinking about what I was going to say. <laughs> you were thinking about what you were going to say. <laughs> that happens sometimes. There's been plenty of times I've been on on this thing and somebody's saying something and I'm just off thinking about what my next topic is, which is bad <laughs> to say. But that that's what happened when I first started off. I think I was kind of too into my head about okay, how am I going to keep this conversation going and. I would not even be listening to what somebody was saying. And then I'd, I'd ask the same question again 10 minutes later. I did it to Clayton Lewis one time um, and a couple other people that I remember that they'd already answered a question and I asked it again because okay. I wasn't paying attention. It's embarrassing. I know. It's embarrassing. You learn from it. Okay. God. So you going to do an ad? Oh, you want me to do an ad now? <laughs> sure. You can do whatever you, know, you want I'll do, to do. I'll do an ad, sure. Um, let's see. How about how about uh, for Bricks? Bricks is a restaurant and wine bar in Flagstaff, Arizona, run by or generally managed by Daniel Weber, who is a level one going towards his level two. Someone, yeah, certification. And uh, it is the best restaurant in Flagstaff. I could say that uh, very confidently. Depending on styles, it's a fancier place. And um, I guess that's it. It's good. If you like wine and cocktails. And that's the ad? That's the ad. What's the ad supposed to be? Am I supposed to say the address? Like, I don't know the address. You you got to prep. You didn't do any prep. I didn't do any prep for ads. I'm not here to sell anything. Right. Just thought you might want to mention Just something. want to mention Daniel. How do you spell bricks? B-R-I-X. Uh, and I heard I heard you and Jonathan or not Jonathan Josh talking about that last night. So what does is, is bricks have something to do with wine? Or what? Yeah, I don't want to butcher it, but I'm pretty sure it's the measure of uh, it's like the sugar content and in, in, uh, a measure of sugar content in wine or something like that. But I could be mistaken because I don't uh, do my job very well. And it's spelled like that. B R I X. Yeah. B R I X. Let's look it up. Why not? Degrees, uh, degrees bricks is a sugar content of ah. an of an aqueous solution. One yes. degree bricks is one gram of sucrose and a hundred grams of solution, and represents the strength of the solution as percentage by mass. If the solution contains dissolved solids other than pure sucrose, then the BX only approximates the dissolved solid content. That confused yeah. the fuck out of me. But if Daniel's listening to this, fuck yeah. <laughs> I I knew it. Yeah, I knew did. something about wine. I, he, he doesn't get mad at me, but I always feel like I don't 
study enough to be in the position I'm in at that job. Well, I mean, look at me now. You make it. Look at me now. Yeah, you did learn something, I guess. Yep. You learned something. So, Bricks, how long have you been working there? Oh, nine, no. Ten months, maybe? Nine, ten months? It's been good. It's a fun restaurant. It's still a restaurant, though. And I want to kind of, I want to move away from restaurants just because of the, uh, the culture. It's fucking weird. The people who work in restaurants are weird. Like just food and bed, you mean? Yeah, just food and bed in general. It's all, you know... All food and beverages is fucking Coke and raves. That's it. Like cocaine? Or are you talking yeah, about Coca-Cola? Like co- no, not Coca-Cola. <laughs> not, not wholesome Coca-Cola and raves, but... Yeah. Bum sugar. Baby. I've never seen any Coke in food and beverage. you never seen any Coke in food? You're not looking hard enough. Not in the circle I'm in. I guarantee someone you work with does Coke. Not somebody I work with. It's just me and Caleb. And well, you Caleb. better, you better check Caleb. <laughs> if it's not me, it's him. Is that what you're saying? Yep. All right. I have to text Caleb. Ask See him. what he's doing over there after work. Ask him about his coke habit. Yeah. But it's good. It's good money for sure. That's why everyone does it, you know. And that's why everyone does coke. It's not good money. No, you lose money. You make coke. you make good money, so you buy coke. Oh, okay. So you're making the money so you can buy coke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say I've never done coke. I don't think I ever will. Well, I don't think I ever will. I, I won't. I won't ever do coke. One of the... Well, I'll never say never, I guess, but I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most... Well, if you had some, I'd do it. That's all I'm saying. No. Not... Of course. What, why not? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. You know? Everything should be uh, your choice. You're, you're, uh, maybe, maybe not. Like black tar heroin or something, but maybe maybe even black tar heroin. Maybe not meth. I don't know. Draw the lines in some way, I guess. But I don't think drugs are. Uh, we never know what might you know how your body might interact with that particular substance. It might mm-hmm. you might have a good effect. Oh yeah, it might be a positive effect. Well, that's what you know. I didn't listen to this, but uh, you know, Sean was listening to an episode of Joe Rogan. Someone was on there, a chemist or something, said that exact same thing. You don't know how drugs affect your your uh, personal chemistry. Yeah, could be nothing at all. Could be. Could ruin your life. So I mean, it's like choose. me. You know, I, I go out and get uh, rub up against poison ivy, poison oak, whatever, and I get this huge rash and I break out and everything. Some people can touch it, nothing happens to them. Mm-hmm. Some people get stung by a bee, they die. True. Some people get stung by a bee, they just get a little little bite, got a little itch, a little scratch. All different. Yeah, I know people that can drink alcohol, and after two beers, they're a complete asshole. Some people can drink three beers or maybe a couple of whiskeys, and they're ready to fight everybody in the goddamn bar. Other people, they can have a few beers, they're sleeping in the corner. Yep. Um, people like myself, I feel like I could drink all day long, and my demeanor will stay exactly like this the entire time. You know, maybe a little looser, maybe a little happier, funnier, maybe possibly, I don't know, but... Um, I mean, just with alcohol. So that can happen with any substance, I guess. People are going to react differently. Yeah, but I can tell you, one of the greatest achievements you can have is if a cokehead offers you coke without really knowing you that well. Do what now? It's just a 
So, you're like, what, me? You want me to have some of your Coke? It's like a prized possession for a lot of people. I guess. For them to offer you some Coke in the bathroom. It's just like, I didn't do it, but I was honored. That's all I'm saying. I guess so, because, I mean, it's expensive. It is. It is expensive. Hmm. It's good. But, you know, on the subject, everything should be legal. Let's uh, legalize heroin. Legalize op- opioids. Uh, very big advocate of that. Just because the world is fucked up when we start penalizing people for experimenting with things. Right. But there had to be a reason, right, that we we ban certain things. I mean... Fucking Nancy Reagan being a bitch. Before that, though, right? I don't think so. I think it was... I think it was Nixon, right? The war on drugs? Was it? Initially? No. I thought the war on drugs was Reagan. Well, that's when it kind of really hit the fan, but I think initially, right? I don't know. I'd have to look hey, up the history on it, but... Yeah, people were doing bumps for <clears throat> breakfast at one point. Yeah, I think it was because... Uh, well, I mean, Joe talks about this all the time, right? I mean, it was um, uh, specifically for, like, marijuana. It was the the paper. Uh, people could produce paper. The cotton gin came out, and you could produce paper a lot cheaper than you could produce hemp or, or harvest hemp and whatever. So paper kind of took over, and, and hemp kind of went to the, to the wayside. Plus, he also owned – what the hell is the guy's name that he always talks about? And plus, he owned the newspaper, so he put out his own propaganda out there and kind of demonized uh, hemp and marijuana and all these types of things. So, I don't know. I'm probably butchering it, but something to that effect. It, it was affecting the bottom line of, of paper production, so they had to demonize it and get it out of there and make it a make it a taboo, I guess. It's always Does that money. sound right? It's always a money game. Oh, always followed money. But yeah, I mean, if you if you uh, legalized everything, I don't know. Do we want to get that, that deep into this subject? Oh yeah, legalize it all, <laughs> and then open up rehab facilities instead of prisons. Help people instead of making criminals. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think I think initially there would probably be a period of total chaos. Oh, oh there always is. You know, everyone takes the first. But I think it would teeter off, and it would it would it would filter out and equalize as people became accustomed to. Okay, I can just get anything I want now. Now it's not really that interesting to me. Yeah. Well, but initially, people were gonna be like, "Ah, everything's legal. Let's do everything." That's how everything is initially. I mean, everything within the first you know five to ten years, everything's horrible with any kind of new new uh, endeavor, new change. And then kind of all fucking equals out. Nothing's, nothing's so bad, except for maybe the Nazis. <laughs> right. Stuff like that. But yeah, a few years go by and you're like, ah, it's just cocaine. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. Then you take it out of the criminal's hands. You can tax it. You can make money off of it. You can build roads. You can, just like they're doing with marijuana and stuff in Colorado and all these other states now, all the all the profits that they're making off of it, and they're able to put that back into education and offer, uh, you know, freer or cheaper health care to people. A lot of benefits. Right. And it's 
again, it's follow the money. And then you're giving jobs again. You know, people can actually grow those crops and produce those plants and the cocoa plants and whatever. And uh, now you got jobs that you're creating for people. Yep. And uh, the prices come down because you can you can standardize it and standardize it. That's the other key thing is now you know exactly what you're getting when you buy your cocaine. You're not going to get some cocaine that's uh, kind of split with uh, baking soda or name your thing. Some people put poisons and stuff in the cocaine and you're cutting it with different things. Now you're going to know it's regulated. You know what you're getting. Exactly. And it's uh, it's more consistent. It's good. It's yeah. For the betterment of society, legalize all drugs. Yeah. I wish granddaddy was here to, to debate that topic. <laughs> well. It, or any Republican. Fox News didn't say it. Granddaddy doesn't believe it. So <laughs> <laughs> what we learned tonight. That was the lesson of today. Which is the Fox same. Fox News is yeah. the only true news source. It's the same for all the other news sources too, but whoever thinks that one news source is right above all else is wrong no matter what news source you listen to. Well, again, I bring it back to Joe quite often on this show, but you know, Joe even talks about he he'll do a split screen on his computer and put CNN on one cha- on one side and Fox News on the other side, and it's hilarious to see how they both have a totally different spin on whatever the news story is of the day. They both are the exact opposite, and I mean, we can't be that different as a people to have have so left and right thoughts, you know. It's just so weird that both of those channels just hate each other. What happened to the news? What happened to telling the true story? What happened to telling the facts and, and going out and finding the facts before you even produce a new story? Now, you put a story out, and then if you find out it's false, then you go back and just kind of retract it and kind of apologize and whatever. used to be you had to have the facts first before the director, producer, whatever, would even let you put the story out. Well, it's all but now it's who can get the story out fastest well it's it's um again it's all about competition it's all about money when the competition got uh, bigger and bigger then people had to start competing for the more the more grandized news story yeah and then you get such polar opposite reactions because that's what gets views you want your fox your fox viewers to think one way you want your you know well and you just want discourse you just want arguments people want conflict i've said that numerous times because it spurs people want something money. to talk about. But, money. Yeah, money, but it also spurs conversation, and people want to have a different view for whatever reason. People just don't like to have the same views. Well, and that's, you know, I think that capitalism kind of has has set the structure for all of our social hierarchy and stuff. But the, um, you know, social media is a big part of that, and in wanting to have your own stage and think differently and radically. Uh, from everyone else and be the person who said it first or said it the most or said it loudest and, and be the uh, figurehead for whatever topic you're discussing and right. the comment thread. and Or gets the most thumbs up or likes yeah. or most Most likes, shares. most comments. You know, you kind of... Yeah, people liked my voice better than your voice. Mm-hmm. You get a little excited. Get some, some endorphins going from likes and... Oh, for sure. It's just like smoking a joint or doing cocaine or going out for a run or uh, running, bathing in the sad. sun, whatever. Yeah, you get those that endorphin rush, and uh, that's the the pleasure system of our brain. That's, that's the whole reason we we pick up this phone, you know, one hundred twenty five times a day is to see 
get that little endorphin rush. Oh, somebody messaged me. Somebody emailed me. Somebody said hi to me. Somebody liked my post. Mm-hmm. It's all a drug. It is. We are all just looking for pleasure whatever way we can get it. Yep. That's everybody. Everybody's got something. Whether it's eating or your phone or yeah, right. TV running, even running, even even the healthy healthy stuff can be a drug. Yeah, we were just talking about this, but runners are like the they're like crackheads, man. They are. And yeah, we talked about earlier that uh, you know because I did twenty one years in physical therapy. You're doing. Uh, Athletic training as well. See, we see it all the time that people just don't want to listen to when you tell them, "Hey, you need to take uh, you just need to take three weeks off and you know stretch and just kind of massage and and work this tissue out and just stay off of it and don't put the stresses on it." You're like, "Oh, really? Three weeks? Can I just do two weeks? Can I maybe do a week and a half? Um, do I have to quit all running? Can I can I run on grass and maybe not just run on gravel? Mm-hmm. Uh, can I run in the sand? No, I said no running for three weeks. You can't." Yeah. You can't do it. You can't run. But they want to do it because they need that pleasure, uh, you know, that, that synapsis in their brain that, that yeah. says, releases that endorphin and says, oh, man, I feel good. But you're not going to feel good. It's going to hurt. It's gonna, you're going to feel yeah. good for a brief second, and then you're going to feel worse. And now you got to wait four weeks instead of three weeks because you yeah. fucked it up. Well, and, you know, now, now they're saying that, you know, if you avoid the movement altogether, then it's not good um, psychologically, so then it's not good physically because those things go hand in hand. But... You have to do something to decrease, you know, the load of, of whatever movement you're doing because that's what got you hurt in the first place, and they just don't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, I even hear from you know spouses of runners and stuff that they're just neurotic when they're not running, and like this whatever injury they have has made them a totally different person because they can't run, and yeah. it gets crazy, dude. They go through withdrawals, and it's nuts. Yeah, it's almost like quitting smoking. I mean, I remember when I was trying to quit smoking what was it, 2003 or something, I think, what what it was. I, and I started taking Chantix because, uh, you know, you read all these things, all Chantix that help you quit smoking. It also maybe helps you commit suicide. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I did. I wouldn't get those endorphins anymore from smoking that cigarette. And, uh, you know, the Chantix was making me a complete asshole. And I remember uh, my ex-wife, your mother, told me I had to stop quitting, I had to stop taking Chantix because I was a complete asshole. I was mean, um, I was not in a good mood, I was very agitated all the time. But yeah, it took that endorphin away from me. Just like when you tell somebody to stop running, um, they get agitated, same thing. Yep. But, but yeah, you're right, it used to be, you know, it used to be back in the day, somebody, oh, my back hurts, oh, I got a backache, oh, my back is just killing me. Oh, well, lay down in bed for two weeks and don't do anything. And that's like now, that's the worst thing you could do. Worst thing, yeah. Yeah, you still got to keep moving. You got to do something, but you got to do something that doesn't elicit pain. You got to just work around that pain threshold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your brain. Find a different movement, a different way to move without uh, eliciting pain. Right, your brain thinks something's abnormal. So if you <clears throat> increase that abnormality by not doing what you usually do, then your brain's like, oh, we, you, we were right. You really are hurt. And it just increases every all the signals that you were getting before. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a fun field. It's definitely a fun field. A lot of the complexity. Well, what do you even do? Nobody even knows what you do. Oh, well, technically, I do train athletes, but I don't have the uh, 
title of athletic trainer. Um, I'm a physical fitness trainer in Flagstaff, Arizona for Paragon Athletics, which is a mom and pop shop that opened up about eight years ago. And uh, we pride ourselves in trying to be the best at what we do. And what we do is help athletes, um, including the general population, because everyone should be athletic if you want to be um, any kind of physically active and have control of your body throughout throughout life. Try and help all those people be stronger, better, uh, pain-free, or get out of pain when they get into pain. So... That's what I do. What's that Kanye song? Faster, better, something stronger. <laughs> is that Kanye? Is that... I don't think we have base our principles off of Kanye West. No. It might be an ethical song, yeah. I think he's getting a divorce. We saw that on one magazine at the grocery yeah, store. Star so magazine maybe. or National Choir <laughs> or something. Yeah, I think Kim's leaving. If you heard it here first, yeah, Kanye and... Yeah, people are on their phones right now. What? Oh What's going God. on with Kanye and Kim? Are you serious? <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. So how long how long have you worked for Paragon? Did you work there before you even graduated? Did you like intern there or something? Or? Yeah, it was my internship for, for uh, my fitness wellness degree. And when I got there, they were doing a bunch of cool stuff that I had never even heard about. Uh, a lot of research and stuff that just no one delves into. Uh, in in the fitness field, uh, it was more reserved for the clinical field. But the the owner is very passionate about learning everything he can about biomechanics and um, kinematics and just thinking about the body uh, in the most scientific way possible and learning all the new techniques and stuff. So I got there and within three months, I knew more than I did in four years of my degree program. Really. And do some fitness or nutrition or both? Uh, a little bit of nutrition. Uh, you know, we've always been kind of self, self-taught self in terms of nutrition and just experimenting on ourselves and that type of stuff. So nutrition was kind of something I was already kind of familiar with. I honed in on it a little bit because uh, the other one, it's a husband and wife who own it. And the wife is big into nutrition and actually did a lot of nutrition for the county. And then the husband is all the physical stuff, so learned a little bit of that, but mostly uh, biology, anatomy, biomechanics, and a bunch of stuff that I had never thought about, a bunch of nuance and uh, different things that people are doing that don't matter or that matter more than people think they do or, you know, different stuff like that. So I learned all of that and decided, you know, if I, I can't go anywhere else. I'm not going to get this kind of exposure anywhere else, so... You know, after I graduated, I kind of asked him, "Can I? Do you think I can stay on?" And they had already, uh, they had already decided that I, they were going to hire me after I graduated anyway. So, worked out. Now I work there. I'm uh, one of three trainers, including the owner, and then um, the owner's wife is, well, the cook, the, the second owner is uh, the nutritionist. So, All right. Yeah, it's a, it's been a great experience, and I've learned how to help a lot of people and learned a bunch of different uh, ways of thinking about the body and fitness and how to do things a certain way. So, now I've mentioned it a few times, you know, I've done a, a couple ads for the place over there and, you know, just going off the top of my head what I thought I knew, but um, is it mostly geared toward 
climbers out there or, or is it just anybody open up to any background whatsoever i know i thought it was more like climbers and ultra runners or something right or well we is that a specialty it's, niche the 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 owners are climbers um and uh, he, he actually moved to flagstaff for climbing because it was uh, about eight hours or so away from all the good climbing is a pretty central location so a lot of the stuff is uh, he is Flagstaff a, is eight hours away from all the good climbing. Yeah, yeah, or a lot of good climbing, not all of the good climbing, but. Okay. Um, so he did, or he does have a lot of good um, knowledge on climbing, and we we have a climbing specific class, and we train a lot of climbers, but we also do a lot of ultra marathon runners. Um, pretty much just because you know the clientele is we we just want to help everyone and educate people on current practice and how to use their bodies and how to be more uh, efficient in their lives with their bodies and, and do it in a way that's not trying to sell our own egos and have a special technique or you know prescribe to some special program but try and keep evolving with the times and help as many people as we can but because we're in Flagstaff and it's such a big sports community there's a lot of climbers and uh, mountain bikers and ultra marathon runners and river guides and Anything you think of in, in terms of athletics, Flagstaff is a kind of a central hub <clears throat> for all of that. So it, by by that process, we get a lot of athletes. Um, and so that's a majority of our clientele, but we also have just classes to make people pain-free and better at what they do with their bodies. So we, do, we deal with a lot of athletics, yeah. But again, you know... The, Athletics, athletic trainers and stuff have a higher degree program to reach for in terms of, you know, a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, and it's kind of separated in terms of how we, you know, value athletics um, over other things. But the things that ath- the the train the coaches and the trainers in, you know, college and professional athletics, those the things that they know, you know, shouldn't be exclusive. They should be handed down to the general population because those are the things that better people in their day-to-day lives um and so we try to give people that without the uh without kind of the you don't have to be an athlete to have this type of attention you know you can just come to come to a class and come to our facility and get the same attention that an athlete gets and work right next to an athlete and uh be strong and uh healthy so we try and take the the, the principles of you know, that have usually been reserved for the clinical practice and athletics, and we try and just give it to, to give it to everybody and just be the best we can in musculoskeletal work. Yeah. <clears throat> so. And do you do uh, pediatrics and geriatrics too, or is there a certain age group kind of that uh, comes in there, 18 to 50 or something? Or You know, we do um, anyone who comes in, really. I mean, if we've had, you know, we, we have high schoolers and uh, – there was a, a kids class at one point and we have a number of people in their 70s and 80s that that come so it's kind of a mix i'd say the majority of the population are in their 30s and 40s probably and a lot of them are either recreational athletes in terms of you know they they run the big races and climb and whatever but they're not you know they don't make money off of it they don't have any kind of um, professional career in there they're just recreational and then we we also have <coughs> the people who are kind of big names in their sport and come train with us so um, we get get the whole gamut i'd say that's probably our the majority of our of our clients but we get young old 
everybody, you know. Right. And then at one point you were doing, I don't know if you're still doing this or not, you meaning you or the, you know, Paragon, but you were doing some, um, I don't know if it was personal training for the fire department or just a program for them, like a fitness program just in general for their fitness, annual fitness test or something. Yeah. Or? You know, we, I wrote a grant for the fitness or for the uh, fire department trying to be there. Um, they're basically person for training that, that uh, they allocate money to so that they can send people to train with us. We were going to be, they, the idea was the people who couldn't uh, make the fitness test, you get, I think, two tries after you don't make the fitness test, at least in Arizona. Um, so those people would get six months of, we would be the people that they get six months of training with, and then if they didn't pass their test, you know, they'd try, try again and pass their test uh, after the six months of training. So that's what I wrote a grant for, and uh, we put it in, and they went with a package that was a little more well-known in the uh, tactical field across the nation, um, which we thought, you know, why not go local? And we thought we had a pretty good chance, and we had a couple ends with the fire department. So we didn't end, actually, end up getting the contract, but we still train a lot of the a lot of firefighters within Flagstaff. Um, do you think we don't have a lot of uh, our our focus isn't getting big, getting fucking ripped. Our focus isn't uh, losing weight. Those are all kind of side effects of um, the goal we try to achieve, which is making you healthy, making you more um, your your body awareness more um, stable, making you just a better, more efficient, more robust at being a human being. And that, that way of thinking, because of the training we do, we don't have any barbells, we don't have squat racks, uh, you know, we have a set of kettlebells, some dumbbells, we use a lot of um, unorthodox training tools, and we get very creative with our movements, and everything's very um, intentional and scientific, and because of that, because we, we're, we're so far away from the common mark, a lot of uh, ego, which I don't say this with any kind of resentment, but a lot of ego doesn't um, succeed in in our gym so a lot of the firefighters police officers the big guys who have come from crossfit uh usually just can't hang uh just because the way we we program we do you know these really small or m- minuscule movements that these big guys just can't do right can't, static movements and dynamic yeah, stuff they can't hold themselves bands in these and ropes and right and balance we, and mm-hmm. a lot of just a lot of Fun, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of creative stuff, and we think that's um, good for you, movement variability. But uh, it's not, you know, pushing 350 over your head or any of that stuff. And, you know, if you can push 350 over your head and you can't even lift a 10-pound dumbbell in this certain position, then you get kind of frustrated. And so we don't have – you you won't see that many big people in uh, in the gym and then because of that we're also a little intimidating if you go on our instagram you see because some of our posts um, a lot of it's very medicinal a lot of it's very um simple and just wants to help your joints and whatever and then there are some posts that you see that are a little intense and it's like oh man that gym is kind of crazy i don't know if i can go there so we don't have we don't have a lot of timid people and we don't have a lot of egotistical people so we have a very specific uh specific group that comes to Paragon, but to answer your question, no, we yeah. did not train the fire department. <clears throat> right, but you you get a chance to recompete for that, or do you guys even care if you, to even try that again, or what? I mean, is that like a year contract they're on with this other company, and they'll put that out for bid again 
next year or something or what? Yeah, they 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 um, they reset it. They reallocate the funds towards other things if things come up, or they just go towards the one they already had. But uh, we're always trying. You know, we're a small business. We're always trying to find avenues to grow. And so right now we're kind of taking the path more the path of getting really involved in the people that we train in terms of uh, professional athletics. We're hosting more workshops um, with them and just trying to use our connections in the athletic world to try and expand out. So I don't think we'll, we'll focus on that um, in the next few years, but, you know, it, we might circle back at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Now what about, like, well, I guess, I guess in, in, NAU Athletics has their own group of trainers, right? I mean, oh, yeah. there's no way you could kind of get involved with those types of guys, the, the football team lacrosse whatever sports you play out there they got their own stuff going on yeah collegiate sports is totally um standardized and i mean you they tell you what to do you go it's very um people come in on their own on their off time and train with you guys but they could but they have such um structured schedules that's not likely yeah Yeah. and we we don't really cater to the uh, college crowd we do have some people that are going to nau um a lot of them in their master's programs not their bachelor's but um we're kind of far away from the university in terms of Flagstaff. Nothing's really far away, but... Um, so we don't get a lot of the college crowd. You know, sometimes I'll um, tag NAU Athletics in our videos and stuff just to show them what we're doing because I've heard a lot of stories from some clients that are back to Flagstaff for the summer and go to college somewhere else, and so they come to us for training because they're out of season. And um, just heard a lot of stories about the kind of coaching and the kind of training that's done in in some of the colleges in the country and it's not like a bench press a deadlift and a squat it's not very good um and so we think that we could be um of value to those types of things but in terms of the politics of you know they they hire people for all of that so they use them they don't uh, and then they have to go to class as well as do all this training so it's kind of like they don't leave yeah. Yeah. But that'd be cool. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think of other avenues, but I'm sure you guys have thought of all of it. Yeah, we're trying, man. We're trying. But it's a good time. It's a good time. And they've been open how long? Oh, about eight years, I think, maybe close to nine. Yeah. Now, is that what you. I'll be honest, I can't even remember. <laughs> is that what you went to school for originally? No. It wasn't, right? No. Well, I went to school to fuck off. Right. I didn't go for any particular... Um, I just wanted to go for the experience. I didn't really have anything in mind to... Right. Your friend was there. Come out with... Yeah. I was you know, going to go to Clemson, actually. And then um, their application fee was 60 bucks, And I was like, eh, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> had to write an essay. So I was kind of holding off on that. And I had already applied to NAU just as kind of like a put it in there and see what happens type thing because my buddy was a year ahead and already there and they got in as soon as I was about to you know turn in an essay for Clemson and uh I got in and I was like oh well, fuck it I got in I'm not gonna apply anywhere else yeah and it turned out to be a good experience and then I went for anthropology because uh is the study of people yeah. I thought that was cool and I was um but you're kind of still doing a study of people. Yeah, it's kind of still a study of people. And I use a lot of anthropology, actually, in um, in uh, the research that we look at. There's a lot of anthropology in terms of 
how the body has evolved to move, what we what we know about how people lived and moved, um, you know, centuries ago. So there's there's actually some some good reading and stuff um, that relates anthropology to fitness, which is kind of cool. But I was also a religious studies minor, and I still love um, studying religions and philosophy and all that stuff. But uh, it wasn't going to get me anywhere. So then I became a screenwriting major, which was awesome. And uh, I still like thinking about that stuff, but again, wasn't going to get me anywhere. So a couple classes, a few classes of that, and then eventually settled because, you know, we were started had started doing Spartan races. And, you know, we'd always been, I wouldn't say athletic, but we'd always been interested in, in uh, fitness and stuff. So, I mean, I would call it athletic. I mean, not really yes. like big time sports or whatever, but I mean, we were always doing something as far as uh, fitness goes, whether it be hiking, running, jumping, sliding, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, workouts on a football field. Just nothing specific. We never <clears throat> really hit hit something. I mean, you had your running and stuff, but I never really had anything specific. I always come back to, you know, boxing and martial arts and stuff. That's the thing I kind of like, but we never really had a sport right. track. But. You know, I still liked it, and I worked out every day, and, you know, liked thinking about it, and so I thought, you know, I do this every day already, I might as well just learn more about it at, at the very least, and then see what could happen afterwards, so. And then I got my internship, and it went, just kind of fell that way, so. Yeah. That's where I am. Very cool. And then to kind of tie all this in, so, uh, we were on a page together, the Keto Dojo, talked about it many times. On Facebook. <laughs> yes, it's on Facebook. I say that all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I am the, what they call the sensei of the Keto Dojo. Uh, Brian here is one of the admins on the page, uh, along with Karen over there at Craft Conundrum, which we just went there today. We'll talk about maybe what we did yesterday and today here sometime. Um, but so to tie all that in, so, you know, I've made a couple – um, ads about the Keto Dojo on the last few shows or whatever that um, I would like to see it evolve and I would like to see it change. I mean, it started off as just a page about the Keto Dojo and it's just a ketogenic diet. Um, slowly have, have kind of incorporated things about intermittent fasting, extended fasting, dry fasting, all these different things about fasting. Um, I throw some, some science out there and some knowledge and some videos about uh, the carnivore diet. I mean, there's so many different things what do you feel like um, that page should become? Or, or where would you like to see it go? How would you like to see it change? Or should it change? Should it be additions, subtractions? Should it go away altogether? All I mean, nutrition is the same as, as uh, fitness. And what we, you know, what Paragon is trying to do is kind of similar to what you're talking about with the Keto Dojo. It's uh, kind of evolving with the times and realizing that all of these these um, standards and these structures that we've put into practice with, you know, Atkins and Ketos and, and uh, Paleo and um, Whole30 and all of these these uh, labels on these structured kind of diets are inherently flawed because everyone's individual. Everyone's, uh, no one's streamlined into a program. That's just not how it works. Um, and so Par Paragon approaches that in a, a very um, physical manner, and I think the Keto Dojo should approach that in the same way and in uh, kind of an evi evidence-based um, approach. You know, there's a lot of things about the... And, and you're just putting it out there, not saying that you have to prescribe to one or the other, making it more of a self-exploration page than a, 
a uh, dogma, you know what I mean? Like, some people work with the carnivore. There are men and women, which I, you know, with the stuff I know, I, I wouldn't think that women would do well with the carnivore diet, but there are people who have success on the carnivore diet in both genders, so that's cool. Um, there are people who have success in keto, uh, men and women. But... I mean, we just saw something earlier today that I read that, you know, this doctor... What was it we were looking at? We were looking at some webpage or some website or... Or no, it was uh, two people that are on uh, Joe Rogan's show here uh, just recently, uh, last week or whatever, that mm. the guy is all about the plant-based diet, you know. So, right. so many different thoughts out there. There's so many. And, and you know, it all, there are parts of everything that makes sense. Um, you know, I think I think keto makes sense. I think the carnivore diet makes sense in terms of... Um, you know, something else processing nutrients for you that you just eat as one thing. Um, I think that plant-based diet makes sense. There's a lot of people who are on the micronutrients diet right now. That's one of the things that a lot of um, a lot of hospitals are doing is is um, not worrying about exactly you know um, specific foods, but more about the micronutrient content of each food and leveling off all of your micro micronutrients and micronutrients being minerals and vitamins. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and taking basically profiling your your micronutrient count and saying all right you need this type, this, this type of this. berry you need spinach and you need this you know whatever and you, that's you need uh, you know a cup of that each day and really making it um, very specific which I think is the way everything needs to be I think you just pick and pull from all these different methods and figure out what works you know if you have the money get a get a genetics test on on uh, where you come from and what the people in that region ate and um, and then go through an elimination diet. That, and that's where I think um, everyone should kind of start. If you have the money, do your, do your genetics. But if you have, um, if you don't have the money, just do a, an elimination diet, which uh, really is just a elimination program. I don't know if I'd call it a diet because it's supposed to be short-lived. But um, basically it's the process of taking things. And, and you, this isn't my idea. This is, um, I mean, it's still a diet. A diet is boss. just the way that you eat. Right, but it, it's a temporary. Diet temporary. is not a thing. It's just a way that you eat. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, and ideally, your your diet would just be a consistent way of eating. That's kind of what it should be. But in terms of figuring out where you should go, how best to proceed with being healthy in general, because I don't think anyone should hyper-focus on weight loss. Um, I think it, just like with fitness, I think it should be a side effect of something you're doing right and not the goal. Um, the goal should be feeling better and... Um, living better as a right weight gain is just a symptom of something that you're doing wrong right, right exactly yeah. so you so weight loss should be a it should just be a symptom of symptom something of you're doing right yeah and you should feel good before you look good as I think um, you know and feel good in a in a actual real real way you know you can feel good with drugs and all this other stuff but um, feeling good in a health sense is what I mean but um, so you know starting with something other than the, 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 the symptom, you know, starting with figuring out what you specifically need. And I think that's through a genetics test, or you can do this kind of an elimination diet, figure out what you need and what you don't need. A lot of people, um, just because of the way the world is, the population, the amount of genetic variation, the amount of, uh, different foods that are being produced via, um, I wouldn't say unnatural methods. Cause I don't really like that. I don't think there's I mean, there's like chemicals and stuff that people put in food, but it's not like crazy. So I don't like to say unnatural, 
but there are things that people have grown sensitive to. Um, you know, all the all of these fad uh, this, the fads of gluten free and celiac and um, lactose and all this stuff that is is coming out that you know some people say you're just not healthy enough to process that stuff or it's all a lie. It's just a um, made up you know political thing for the food companies. But I think it's all or, or it's just an evolutionary evolutionary change just like we don't right. need our wisdom teeth anymore we don't exactly. need an appendix anymore we don't need our tonsils anymore mm-hmm. just things have evolved and, and we don't need that gluten whatever you know what so with that you know you and these things don't have to be very prominent either you you don't have to be um celiac to get some inflammation from eating gluten right right it, it doesn't have to be a very outward thing you don't you don't have to um shit your pants every time you eat Dairy. Yeah, people use that as the end all be all. If you don't have a celiac disease, go ahead and eat all the gluten you want to. Right. If you don't, if you don't have stomach issues, then you, you're you're not dairy intolerant. But these there's um you know minute changes. There's brain fogginess. There's joint ache. There's um a bunch of other things that can happen that you really don't realize in your day to day stress. That's just you know happening and um, compiled with everything else with work and all this stuff. Um, you just don't notice it. So I always go through the door of find out kind of um, eliminate some options uh, to help you garner where you should be. Um, you know, either get a genetic test or do an elimination diet where you don't eat anything that is that has the possibility of being inflammatory. So basically, you just cut it down to meat and vegetables. Um, well, and that's kind of what I've always done with people when I start them off on the keto diet. I've said, look, don't make it complicated. And it's kind of an elimination diet in itself, I guess, because I tell people just go out just get you some eggs and some bacon and some sausage and some some grass-fed butter, maybe some coconut oil, and that's it. Eat that for two weeks, and then come back and see me and let me know how you feel. And probably a lot of it, they feel better because they've eliminated just a whole bunch of other inflammatory crap out of their diet that they didn't even realize they had, whether it be fiber, whether it be gluten, whether it be lactose, you know, all, all those kind of things. And just because they've changed their diet and they're not eating all those sugars and carbs and, and those infl- inflammatory properties as well, so... Right. And with that, uh, journaling is a big thing, which, you know, it's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for me to do. Um, you know, I can talk about this stuff all day, putting it into practice is a different thing. But journaling and, and knowing your eating habits, you know, knowing when you get tired during the day, knowing uh, when you feel the hungriest, how many times you ate, how much of it you ate. And, you know, I don't like to focus on numbers, but at first, you know, overeating is a very big problem. Um, portion yeah, very control. taxing. On and, the system. Yeah, and and the timing of when you eat, uh, you know, isn't as as important for general diets. But if you're looking to do something physically, um, you know, really physical, then the timing <clears throat> of your diet's important. Well, there's some people out there that advocate that, like Rhonda Patrick, right? Doctor Rhonda Patrick does uh, the circadian rhythm uh, type eating and things like that, where you shouldn't. I, I don't remember all the specifics on it, but you can look it up. There's something about the circadian rhythm that you're supposed to eat based on the sunset and the sun, uh, sun going down or sun coming up, sun going down type thing. Um, what was the other point I was going to make off of that? Um, uh, the six hour window and eight hour window diets, you know, where you should only eat within a certain window of time type thing. And the one meal a day, uh, was a big thing now, but anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. So I think just the keto diet should be more about, um, exploration than it should be about you know dogma telling someone what to do it should be more a page of um hey these are the this is the 
this is the newest thing that's out or, or the newest research or the newest video um, from a doctor, you know, whatever. They say this. Um, that's the key, not just the newest thing that somebody put out. Right, right, it's, not it's, the newest it's Something fad. that's been documented and that's right. been tested right. and people are having success with it or whatever. Exactly, and you can test for keto, you can test for paleo, and all these things have successes and failures, and that's fine. Um, but just putting it all out there and, and you know, having, having your own, you know, in a post, put something out, a video that says, you know, here's, here's more research from Dr. Blah 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 on the keto diet. Um, saying this, this, and this, I think it could apply, you, you could pull from this, as everyone else is saying, that like, you, you know, ketones are in, inherently good for you, and then, you know, nitpick a little bit of the research and, and be like, but their population size was only this big, and, um, you know, their placebo wasn't that great. So, just giving people the tools, I think, and letting them figure it out for themselves is, is a better way of approaching. And it seems kind of like um, just a broad thing like oh you're just throwing darts at everything and trying to help people that way uh but it's really not because that's what everything is you're your own individual so synthesize the information and put it in a place where people can digest it and then if they have questions they can ask you and you can try and be an authority and then um you know they kind of just do it on their own with a sense of, that they have a community that's trying to do the same thing right but I think the two main constants, right? I mean, at least for right now, this time frame that we're in it right now, um, are low carb is good. I mean, I think everybody can agree on that, right? That the lower the carbohydrates and the sugars, the less the inflammation, the less the glucose, the less the insulin spikes, whatever. And that, like you already mentioned, the we should probably eat less. We're stuffing our face all day long and taxing our system and stressing it out where we should just give it a break and let let the body work on other stuff and fix other ailments that you got going on instead of always just digesting food. Mm-hmm. You got to let your body uh, work out some other shit too. Well, and, and, and repair some cells and repair some neurons in the brain and just kind of refresh things and mm-hmm. um, recycle um, stuff within the body. But if you're always taxing it with digestion, that's all it ever does. Yeah. Well, and that's that is a huge uh, factor, I think. And if you look at a lot of European countries and Asian countries, that's the case, you know, I went abroad to Italy uh, for a while, and their breakfast was at most a croissant and a cappuccino, but usually just like coffee. Um, and then they might have like a small panini for lunch, and then their dinners are huge, um, and that's where they get a majority of their their calories and their nutrients is from their their dinner. And I think it's similar in other countries. And then it's the camaraderie too at that dinner, right? I mean, it's the social aspect of that dinner too that I think is a healthy aspect compared to what we do over here sometimes you know just run right. up to a fast food uh drive through or something they're sitting down in a community and, and talking and, and interacting with other people and i think that's important right and there's a lot health, of, from a health standpoint there's a lot of things where you could say that that's kind of just a general wellness trend um and when you look at the you know there's a lot of factors that go into sitting around the table eating with people in terms of talking between bites and um you know, drinking and sitting before you uh, eat again. And um, I don't know, there's a lot of factors with uh, sitting around the table, not just the like interaction with people, but just how you're eating in terms of the interaction. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see like all of, if, if everything was kind of mapped out uh, in that situation to see if there's any research on, you know, because you're in a social situation, you take fewer bites or you eat um, slower or you chew more or, uh, something like that, but I definitely do think, and you, I like to kind of look at all the views of 
you know, why things could work, even if you don't have research behind it, but looking at, like, well, you know, I'm very interested in evolution and how people got to where they are today, and if you think about evolution and you think about kind of third world tribes that are still out there today and compare them to what people would have been back in the day, um, eating less is kind of just what happened. I mean, you, you didn't have the resources to have all of this food and have the the amount and the time to consume what you what you have now. So if you look at it that way, then yeah, eating less is kind of, it, it makes sense because that's what people were doing. And, um, you know, people say, oh, that was years ago. It doesn't, it has no bearing on today, but I mean, it does. It's oh, absolutely. how you developed. Um, and a lot of the variation we're seeing right now is because we don't have as small of a population size. Everything's not as distilled as it was before in terms of how humans are made and um, survive longer and have uh, more of a population. So there's a lot of things that are different now, but it's all it all stems from um, a certain process that happened back then. So, and, and you can look, and then, you know, people will say you can look um, 100 years ago before we had, you know, a lot of um, the factories that we do now producing food, and you can say that, the, you know, when we were more of a farmland type of people. Um, people weren't as big, and that's true, and there's a lot of, there's just a lot of factors. you got to think about everything. you got to think about, you know, tribes back thousands of years ago, and you got to think about farmers back 100 years ago, and you got to compare it to uh, in the industry now and all of the factories and producing all of these sugary, um, chemical-ridden foods and, um, the stress of our lives, the sociology, the community. There's, there's a lot of factors that play into um, nutrition and the theories on nutrition, which I don't necessarily think people should think about. You know, people like us who are interested in it should think about it. The people who just want to be better, I think that's ultimately our role is, um, you know, since we like to think about it, we make it easier for other people to digest, you know, um, because everything I just said is something to think about in terms of nutrition, but no one wants to do that. Right, and as a society, we shouldn't have to to make people think about it. We should we should produce a society that just gives people the stuff that they need to be healthy. We shouldn't, but you know, we're a capitalist society, so people want to make money, and they're going to put stuff out right. there that's maybe not healthy or whatever that people don't need, um, but they want to sell it. And I think as a society, we need to kind of grow and we need to try and figure out how to eliminate some of the unnecessary, um, carve away those unessentials, mm-hmm. as we say sometimes. And, and as a society, help each other to be a healthier society. And, and I think it's going to help everybody right. in the long run. Well, and that's, that's the thing. That's what's hard is we are a capitalist society. Everything stems from capitalism. I mean, the state of education, the state of health, everything about the nation stems from capitalism, and I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think capitalism helps in a lot of ways. I think um, free market and competition is kind of what drives innovation and um, got us where we are today. But now that we're all very comfortable due to capitalism, we're all very um, almost complacent with the way things, you know, and not complacent. Saying I'm not uh, undervaluing like minority populations and stuff, but I'm just saying that we're very technologically advanced and. More so than a lot of third world countries, for sure. Um, and so now that capitalism is kind of being critiqued as, you know, maybe this is kind of a, a shitty thing. Maybe we should figure out how to change it. And usually that, that response is socialism all the way, which, you know, some socialist I- ideas are 
well, that's what they are as ideals, right? Socialism is basically saying everyone should be happy and um, be free and have equal money and equal pay and all that stuff, and which is all very idealistic and sounds great in theory because we're humans and we want to have ideals, but can't have it that way. So I think there's a um, there is a balance that we have to strike between keeping the thing that's been working for a hundred years, hundreds of years in this society, um, but improving upon it. I don't think you can get rid of it all the way. I think capitalism is something that's um, necessary, a necessary evil for the growth of the nation and um, society in general. But I do think that it has its flaws and there's that's something to think about in terms of uh, making something new. Not necessarily tearing it all away, but adding to it. Right. Yeah. So... So, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's kind of balanced already. You know, we have socialist programs, but we also still have capitalism. But I think it's probably a good, I don't know if I was to put a number to it, 70-30 mix, 70% capitalism, Man, maybe 30% know. social so programs. So- you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm in any way versed in politics. Mm-hmm. I don't have, um, it, it's not something that, uh, interests me in general. It interests me in the way that people interact with it. Um, in, in that sense, it's very interesting. But oh, it's super interesting from a social, from a if you're looking through a, a window as an experiment type thing to watch people. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you know what? I, what I have kind of observed, and again, I don't know all the policies. I don't know what's going on. But um, you know, a, a socialism. My wife's in education. Shout out to my wife. Love her very much. Megan Dales. Hey, shout out. And uh, she's in education. You know, she obviously has a lot of a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts on the way it's run, especially in Arizona, which, um, if you don't know, has pretty shitty education. They don't, they don't uh, value their education system. But um, anyway, we were talking about uh, No Child Left Behind uh, at, at one point. <clears throat> yeah, earlier today. And we were, well, and Megan and I were talking about it. Oh, okay. And, you know, we were saying that it's kind of a socialist uh, agenda that's kind of like make every kid come out equal in terms of school. And we've seen what it's kind of done to the education system. I mean, everyone's kind of moving more towards charter schools and public schools because the public education, or uh, charter schools and private schools, because the public education system just isn't working anymore. You know, we um, allocate money to where everything's too spread out, everything's too far apart, trying to reach everybody, trying to get kids. Um, all to the same level, and there's no competition. And so we were talking about, you know, how can the education system change? How can it be? How can it uh, improve? And I just went back to the capitalist thing, like make make um, make schools compete. You know, if it was if if education was state run, and um, people from Arizona went to Colorado, and Colorado was like, you know, people valued. Uh, employees and stuff that got education in Colorado, then Arizona would be like, oh, we need our people to be, you know, on the same caliber as Colorado. They'd start to compete, right? They'd start to be like, well, look, people are valuing Colorado citizens more than Arizona citizens, so maybe we should beef up our education system, allocate more state funds to the education system and paying teachers and having good uh, practice. I mean, that's the way it's kind of been with, you know, standardized testing and stuff forever. I mean, people compare SAT scores from one school to the other well, and all this kind of stuff. SAT scores, yeah, but I mean, you know. The, the Which I don't think is a good benchmark of of education anyway, but the SAT, the right. ACT. Well, but, and I wasn't talking about necessarily testing, but more so 
you know, and you never, you know, you were bad at school, so you never really talked about school, but... I wasn't bad at school. I just was bored at <laughs> You school. just didn't care about I just about didn't it. like it, yeah. But, you know, Mom would talk about uh, an English teacher that she loved really a, a lot in um, in high school. And she would talk about what she... What oh, she, even, even my hatred for school. I've got a good handful of teachers that I could look back and say they influenced my life. And they helped right. me, maybe not through an education, uh, through math or Spanish or whatever, but just as a person, just... Mm-hmm. They influenced me and they helped my life, put it on a trajectory, on a path that they don't realize they even did. Right, right. And it wasn't through standardized education. It was through just being a person. Right. And that's something, uh, I think that's off the topic I was going towards. That's something altogether, which is pay the right people, pay them well, and uh, pick pick good people. The state of education right now is that people who want to be teachers are sometimes not in it for the uh, the goal of bettering the next generation they're in it for the ease or the summer's off or, you know, whatever. But, um, my, my point was, I don't think it should be necessarily standardized testings, like in that terms of, um, you know, comparing SAT scores and the way you compare employees state to state in, in this, um, you know, hypothetical model, but it would be more so, you know, the teacher mom's talking about, she would talk about her in her way of teaching and it was nothing that my English teacher was teaching. And this is post 9-11, so we were already in the No Child Left Behind um, era. But it was what my English teachers taught was all standard. All the books you read, everything, you had hit certain marks. Uh, and it was all to go towards the SAT or to go, go towards the ACT. Um, and the way mom talked about it, her teacher was she, she had a passion. You know, she knew a lot about, you know, everything, grammar and whatever. But she had a kind of a passion for... Um, you know, poetry or something like that. Uh, and that's kind of what her teaching all kind of filtered through. Um, and it touched people in different ways. And you got a certain a certain um, view of English from that teacher that you wouldn't necessarily get from another teacher in another high school. And I think that that's uh, lacking in, in the education system right now is, is variety um, and people actually caring. I think that's reserved for... Um, higher ed now I think college everyone kind of is like if you're if you're really passionate about a subject like history or English you go get your bachelor's and master's and you teach at the college level because you're not gonna you're not gonna make any kind of change or progress or be intellectually uh, um, intellectually successful or you know happy in high school because you just don't get to you don't get to be that way right Um, yeah so cut and dry I mean, you have no leeway as yeah. far as your uh, your lesson plan and what you can do and what you can say. Mm-hmm. You're uh, strong armed. You're you're handcuffed. You're whatever. Right, and that's just that's just one of the um, one of the points. We were also talking about um, you know medicine and healthcare, and you know we're for those of you who don't know, Flagstaff's very liberal, surrounded by conservatives, um, which I don't care. There are smart conservatives. There are smart liberals. There are dumb conservatives. There are dumb liberals. I don't care. But um, they, you know, she really likes socialism, and I like some some of socialism, but I also like capitalism. And so we were talking about how everyone should have access to care. What about communism? Uh, you know what? I haven't read a lot about it. <laughs> Jackie Chan loves There's it. There's some good things. Jackie Chan loves it. And I love Jackie Chan, so maybe I'm a communist. <laughs> um, but we were talking about it in... Um, 
we kind of decided that there should be uh, more of a middle ground because I, d- I don't necessarily agree that everyone should get the, you know, full package. Everything's free. I think that that system is uh, uh, flawed in the way that, um, you know, there's a waiting list and maybe you don't get as quality of doctors as you would. Um, and I've seen firsthand in, in, in my field that you can get, you can get people who have titles that don't know what they're doing. And so if you're hiring those type of people just because you need to fill spots in a socialist um, in a socialist program, then uh, I don't think that's any better than where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we basically got to the point in our discussion where we said, okay, there needs to be some kind of middle ground. And I think that's, that's true for everything. I think, you know, maybe, maybe um, preventative health is socialized, you know, maybe going to gyms and um, psych evaluations and therapy and, um, the, the stuff that kind of checks you out, um, uh, gives you some information, makes you a little better physically, makes you a little better mentally. Maybe that type of stuff is socialized. Maybe emergency health is socialized, you know? Um, and maybe the bigger stuff, the, the stuff you have to wait on, like, um, you know, big diseases, cancer, stuff like that. Maybe that stuff is, uh, capitalism. Who knows? And then there's another theory that you just, instead of trying to move away from capitalism, you dive further into capitalism. So, um, you know, there's only a few companies who provide x-ray machines or MRI machines. Make more companies that provide cheaper or more efficient x-rays and MRI machines. And then the other companies who make you spend an arm and a leg on x-ray machines drive the prices down to compete with the other companies. And you just keep doing that for all medical equipment and all, um, you know, everything that the medical community has. And you eventually have um, the, the result of capitalism, which is competitive prices um so i don't know there's a lot of di- different working th- and again i'm no uh no poli side <clears throat> but i mean it all but, you know you mentioned middle ground earlier i mean it all comes back to kind of middle ground right i mean we live in a world where it's always way over here or way over here it's a big pen- pendulum swing from one side to the other we never kind of get to the to the balance in the middle it's it's never a yin and yang um balance it's always one extreme or the other mm-hmm. and uh you know we we went from one extreme with obama if we're if we're talking politics i guess and, and now we're up the other extreme of uh trump and then we'll come back to another extreme of uh you know maybe hillary clinton i don't know who knows but it's always one extreme or the other we can never just kind of meet in the middle and that's always been the you know the big thing um whether it comes to the senate the congress whatever you know meeting in the middle and the you know, uh, shaking hands across the aisles and all that kind of stuff. That's always, it's always a talk about the middle, but we never get to the middle. Right. We're always on one side or the other. No, it's just a product of uh, human nature. Everybody's selfish. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing, whether it's the education we're talking about, whether it's politics we're talking about, whether it's religion we're talking about, whether it's uh, the diet we're talking about. Um, you have to meet in the middle. There has to be middle ground that I think everybody can kind of stand on. There does. For sure. I mean, and that's, so how do we get how do we get everybody to get on that middle ground and oh, live together uh, harmoniously and in sync? And I am I am convinced that there will always be a struggle like this. There's never not going to be. There's never going to be a utopia, and and it's a product of um, just being selfish, being uh, re- realizing. I always we we talk about this all the time, my friends and I. Um, about there are certain things you have to realize, and I'm not going to say truths. That sounds super uh, preachy, 
there are certain, you know, things about human nature, about nature in general, uh, about the way life works. And I'm not talking about the politics and I'm not talking about sociology and all these things. I'm talking about just life and strip everything away. There are certain things about life um, that you have to work around. And uh, selfishness is, is one of those things, being selfish. No one, no one is... Um, no one is as giving as they think they are. Everything is for your purpose, to make you feel good. Uh, even if you're helping someone else, the product is your righteousness and your um, profit in right. some way. To a lesser or more extent, you know, based on each person, yeah. But right, and because there's of always that, an end goal. Because of that uh, man, man. profiteering, yeah. because of that profiteering, there's never going to be a middle ground. I mean, it's all going to be I'm better than you all across the board. It's going to be uh, a higher thing. Uh, someone someone subjugates another person, whether it's uh, a big thing like a dictator or whatever, or whether it's a small thing like being a Republican against a Democrat. It's always going to be there in some capacity just because no one agrees totally. No one agrees completely. There's never going to be a utopia of people who are like-minded. It's just always going to be um, the selfish needs of one person that's collectively put into a group. And um, Well, and again, we're all biologically different, so maybe it's not always, you know, some people's minds are fucked up, and not to say that they're fucked up because they think differently than you think, but um, I, think, I think there's a thing where I don't think we do it on purpose, disagreeing with other people or having a left or a right brain or having a, a Democrat and Republican, I don't always think it's selfish or it's it's on purpose. Sometimes that's just the way your mind works. Yeah. And you don't have the capacity to think the other way. Your mind only thinks one direction. You oh, know, I mean, definitely, uh, I don't know what you want to call bipartisan thinking or something like that is a trained thing. I mean... You have to. You, you have got, to. You, know, you got people like in Mensa, and then you got people that are, you know, retarded. If you still can use that word, I don't know if you can or not. I can. I use it. Um, you, you just have different mental capacities, right? Different ways of thinking. Well, and there's different stages of learning. You know, there's to to think that way is something that you have to. Um, yeah, it's culture, education level, genetics, right? Genetics. Like you know, there was a time where I was very um, dogmatic. Some would still say I'm. Uh, kind of pushy in terms of opinions, which I I try not to be. So if I, um, you know, if anyone ever accuses me of that I've tried to uh, explain where I'm coming from in terms of my ideals, and you know, I just try and operate on in terms of um, not having an opinion until I I try and ebb and flow with people in 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 arguments and be devil's advocate more than preacher is is where I right a lot of times I totally agree with the person but I try and be a devil's devil's advocate just to spur a gif- different way of thinking right or or you look at it from a different angle maybe I agree with you but maybe maybe I'm going to use this opportunity to think uh, to use you as a backdrop for me to have it to think differently for me to try and explore um, the complexity of this issue that maybe on my own I've never really put any thought to but now that we're having a conversation maybe I want to go the other way and see if I can find some uh, some other ways of thinking about it, even though I agree with you, um, mm-hmm. you know, 100% of the time. Yeah, it totally could be a different angle that right. we're not even thinking about. And that's just a process of um, discussion, man. That's just a process of not uh, not being on a one track, and it annoys a lot of people, but 
And that's why things change. That's why we rewrite, you know, textbooks every five years or whatever, because thoughts and ideals and, and science and stuff changes. Yep. Real quick, shout out to my boy, Sean. 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 Sean Anderson. Sean Anderson. It's my brother-in-law. He uh, listens to this podcast. Shout out to my boy. Sean's the man. Love you. Get some ecstasy, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Go do some drugs, Sean. Yeah. I'll do it with you. And uh, he's also in physical therapy. He's in the fitness industry. He's, uh, yeah, nutrition. he's... He has a degree in exercise science, and he is currently trying to apply to um, a few different PT schools. And um, yeah, he's doing well. He's learning a lot, and I try and get him to. Uh, we we have a lot of discussion about the um, goal of fitness and the state of the industry, and um, you know it's kind of fun. We Paragon, uh, I probably mentioned this Paragon has a lot of criticisms of um, the state of physical therapy, which is in a, which is a, a higher education um, than training, obviously. Training is more about certifications, although I have a degree. Um, but we, we do take a lot of... Um, we, we are researching all the time and looking at different studies and trying to update our practice and all this stuff. So, um, you know, when we see people of a higher standard not up to par um you know we kind of get a little uh critique about it uh and you know he's a budding pt going trying to get into school right now so he has a lot of thoughts on it as well so it's kind of fun to rub rub uh, rub minds and see where we get to uh, in terms of opinions and how things should be and but yeah just trying to get into uh pt school and we're all just trying. It's such a complicated field, you know. The whole health industry is just um, nothing is for certain right now. There's, you know, there are certain things you know about the body that um, you thought were fact, and you, I feel like the body is something that you, you know, un- unlike politics and you know all these other things, it's something that you find infallible when you're learning about it, and you're like, oh, there's no way that this could be different than what I'm learning because uh, it's the body like there's so much so much history behind learning about the body and all these um, all these you know facts and stuff and then you get out and you start uh, doing your thing and looking at research and you realize that everything is up, up for questioning um, yeah. nothing's really solidified in terms of the way the body reacts to anything or the, stru- or the structure even the forces produced by the body are um, constantly being rethought and changing and you know muscle actions and all this stuff that's taught are being reworked and um, yeah so it's a, it's a complicated field it's a fun field yeah and it's kind of like every other field or anything out there I mean everything is just evolving and changing and, and I think a lot of it comes back to what you said a little bit while, a little while ago about uh, the ego and just uh, self-promotion and it's all about money and, and fame and likes and whatever and I think even within the human body and fitness and nutrition that a lot of people go out there scientists um, educators whatever they'll put out uh, certain studies and certain uh, um, truths that are just to benefit themselves and to make a profit and whatever and they didn't really put in the work they they didn't really put in the research and they're just putting stuff out there that uh, 
just quick, down and dirty, kind of like the news we talked about earlier that uh, that they're not doing their fact checking, they're not doing their their studies and their double blind studies and their placebos and all this kind of stuff. They're just putting stuff out there without fully studying it, just because they want to be the first one to put out that publication or that study or whatever to get that money or to get that grant or to get that notoriety, whatever. And then come you know decades later. Uh, centuries later, we find out that guy was full of shit. He didn't put in the work. He didn't do the studies. He he eliminated and, and dismissed all this other data over here and made just his data sound good. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cherry picking. Um, yeah, cherry called. picking. And just like, um, you know, Columbus Day is coming up, right, this week. Just like the same thing with Columbus Day. You know, we we thought we knew what we knew about Columbus and this great guy, and we find out uh, maybe we shouldn't be celebrating Columbus Day. Maybe it wasn't... Uh, the way we were taught in school, and I think yeah. that's the way with a lot of things, whether it's nutrition, whether it's science, whether it's uh, religion, whatever, we have to question everything. Oh, yeah. There are things that, you know... I guess that's what I'm trying to say. They we don't need get to question critiqued. Everything. They don't get critiqued because for 30 years, they've that's been the standard, and people have been like, this is just how it is. This is, this is fact. You know what, you know, an assessment or um, a test for, you know, speaking in uh, anatomical sense uh, in training and physical therapy certain practices that have been taught for 30 years and people are like this is just the process that uh, you go through when when you're in this situation and uh, now people are starting to question a whole bunch of things and, and uh, it's coming out that a lot of the a lot of things are wrong and a lot of things need to be modified and um, some things are simpler than they uh, appeared to be and some things more complicated than they appear to be and you've got to adjust well, correct for the um, variables. Yeah, it's like the 21 years I did in the Air Force. You know, you, you go to a new base and uh, you go there and people have all these, you know, what we call operating instructions or you had AFIs, Air Force uh, instructions, or you had regulations back in the day they used to call them. And they were just written instructions on how things were supposed to go. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a forward-thinking guy. I'm kind of always kind of questioning stuff. And I would get to a new base and somebody would say, okay, well, this is the way we do this. And I'd be like, well... Why is that the way you do that? We didn't do that at my last base that, that way. Oh, well, that's just the way it's always been done. And that's always, that was always the answer. Every place I ever went to within the Air Force and everybody that I know that was in the Air Force with me, anytime you went somewhere new, oh, that's just the way it's always been done. Okay, well, why? Is it the correct way it should be done? Is it, you know, has anybody looked and re-looked at it to see if it could be done better or done it a different way or we're doing it completely wrong for the past 10 years? And nobody ever asked those questions. People just had this thing written down, and they would go 100 years with that same operating instruction without ever questioning it or ever revamping it or ever updating it or, or evolving it to, to fit with the times or whatever or to make sure you know they could do it smarter or more efficiently or whatever. But I always hated that answer. Sounds like That's yeah. the way it's always been done. Sounds like Catholicism. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's pretty much uh, the new pope got in there and said, "Well, <laughs> we're going to do it differently now that I'm mm-hmm. in here." Gays are all right. Evolution's we, great. Yeah, I don't care the way it's always been done. We're going to do it this way now. Yeah, but we won't get into that. Whatever. This South Carolina, I feel scared. Yeah, let's not do that. I mean, you know, Catholicism's not real big down here, but it's more kind of up north, I think. But um, that brings me to a topic. That I wrote down in my notes. Oh, I got the notes. I got the notes. Um, I hate when people say bless you. I don't know why. <laughs> when somebody sneezes, 
it seems like there's always two or three people in the crowd that are just waiting on that person to sneeze, waiting on somebody to sneeze so they can be the first person to say, God bless you or bless you. And that person could say, well, thank you. And the same thing we've been talking about all day, people want that uh, endorphin rush. They want that like, they want that thumbs up, they want that uh, agreement. And they want to be that first person to say, bless you, so they can get that thank you from that person. They want to say, oh, I gave them this bless you. Oh, I don't do it. I uh, I don't acknowledge people that sneeze. Um, actually, my wife... I do. It's situational for me. Sometimes wife, I do, sometimes I don't. I don't ever. My wife gets mad at me for it. Um, you know, and I, I initiated this practice because I'm not... I'm not very religious, and I thought it was kind of a stupid tradition. But um, now, I don't do it because I shouldn't be saying bless you to you. You should be saying excuse me to me. You know what I mean? You're the one sneezing everywhere. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so they should be saying... Yeah. And I do that. When I sneeze, I say, oh, excuse me. Right. Excuse me. Yeah. You don't... You. I'm not waiting to hear bless you. I'm sorry that I just spit... But some people say bless a me. a bunch of different directions. Some people say bless me. When they sneeze, bless me. And they wouldn't, somebody would say, oh, bless you. Oh, that's true. Well, that's kind of Southern. Yeah. But I just say, excuse me. But. Or I just sneeze. I just think the whole thing's dumb. Bless you started as a fucking demon leaving your body or your heart will stop type thing. And it's all superstitious bullshit. Right. But. And who gives me the right to bless somebody? I'm not ordained. I'm right. not a priest. Right. I don't it's even, kinda, I'm not religious. It's kind of disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. You're a prick. I can't bless anybody. No, you can't do that. I didn't go to school for that. But regardless, if you're spitting in five different directions, excuse you. <laughs> yeah, excuse my mess. I just got you all sick. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. I'm not blessing you. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so no, I didn't want to get into the big discussion on that. But I just noticed that the other night. I was at work the other night, and somebody somebody sneezed, and like three people all of a sudden said, bless you. Like as quick as before the sneeze even finished leaving their mouth, they were like, oh, bless you. Like, man, people just want to be the first one to say bless you. They do. And, you know, I'm I'm raised Southern. I say I'm very polite. I say yes, ma'am, no, sir, unless I'm in certain situations where I think that they'll uh, say, oh, I don't like being called ma'am. Right. Then I don't do it. But, you know, for the most part, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, you're welcome. But bless you, that's where I draw the fucking line. Yeah. I'm not doing it. It was a, what was that, a Seinfeld episode where Jerry said, it was a Jerry or Elaine, one of them says, they say, you're so good looking. That's what they say when somebody sneezes. They don't say bless you anymore. Yeah. You're so good looking. I think that's what it was. I can't remember who said it. Seinfeld, look it up. Look it up. Yeah. That's a, yeah, same thing. It's a tradition thing. You were just talking about it with the Air Force. That's a dumb tradition. Stop right. it. Something you should get rid of. Stop doing it. Or change it to excuse me, like I said. I think that's appropriate. Stop sneezing everywhere. Excuse you. Yeah. We're an hour and 34 minutes already. Yeah. This thing's flying by, man. And and usually we've only got... <clears throat> if this video is going to work... Hold on a second. Yeah. You know, video works, video doesn't work. Yeah, we've got 18 minutes left on the, on the, the battery on the video, so... Well, they can imagine. But if it goes out, like we've always done before, you know... Fuck these pesky cameras acting up again. They can imagine it. Type thing, but I mean, if we don't have anything else to talk about, then we'll cut. We we'll, we'll be gone. But it's always stuff to talk about, man. <clears throat> always, you know, we were just talking about the um, speaking of you know southern customs and being oh, polite. Get comfortable in this chair. How fucking uh, you know? And I try and institute it. Sometimes I'll do it in my uh, neighborhood. We're in Flagstaff, but. 
the amount of waves you get just walking down the street or in your car in uh, the South. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's everybody, awesome. everybody kind of greets everybody. Makes you feel good. You don't get that in Arizona? No. No. Not at all? Not at all. I mean, I thought it'd be in a hippie town or whatever. It'd be a little bit like that, too. No, man. This, this, uh, this, um, preconceived notion that hippies are nice people that's fucking wrong <laughs> hippies hippies are just as selfish and dumb as every other person just because they wait a minute i'm not selfish and dumb what are you talking about you're not a fucking hippie oh well you said just as selfish and dumb as everybody every other person oh yeah well i don't place a lot of uh bearing on humanity but <laughs> they uh they are the exact same as everyone else just because you call yourself a hippie doesn't mean you're a good person and just because you don't take uh a shower and where deodorant doesn't make you holier than thou. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. Let's 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 use deodorant, guys. I don't hate I don't hate hippies. They're not like a, a people that I don't like, but um, I'm just saying them just like the rest of you. You think that you know California is nicer than South Carolina? It's different. It's not necessarily nicer. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that totally off that subject. I say that let's all wear deodorant, guys, but. There are some people that have too much cologne that are worse than somebody that doesn't wear a fucking deodorant. Oh my god! So it's it's it goes to one extreme or the other. Don't yeah. wear too much shit, but wear something. Kind of smell good. We have a big. That's um, why we designed all this stuff because people stink. We have a big Saudi population. A lot of people from Saudi Arabia come to um, get their education at Northern Arizona University. Yeah. And my god! Well, one they do both actually, so they don't do, they don't wear deodorant. And then they wear a fuck ton of cologne. Yeah. And it is whole. It's a bad combination. I, I don't like. Oh, I was stationed in Iraq. I know. Oh, Ain't yeah. Kuwait. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't like the con. I, I don't like either by themselves, but together it's a whole nother thing. It's. Yeah, it makes a whole new brew oof. of uh, funk. It is rough. And and I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what spurs that to happen. Like how how are you not um, aware? I think they're aware. I just think that. That's the norm in that part of the country, and it doesn't smell bad to them. It's yeah. natural, yeah. just like uh, I guess Italy and right, you know France and those type places. They don't wear deodorant as much as we do, or they're not as big on yeah, but deodorant and colognes they and don't stuff. Wear a, the cologne. They, they like cologne, but they don't wear it. Fucking, they don't drench themselves in it. And it's funny. Well, I guess you know it has to do with um, smell and how it kind of acclimates to whatever it's around. But I see these people out, you know, especially... And, I mean, how it interacts with your own pheromones. Oh, yeah. I mean, something that I put on my body will smell totally different. The same substance, the same amount of sprays will smell differently on your body. Right. Well, it's, just, it's um, you know, working in a restaurant, you, you have people come in with a date. And these guys, fucking, oh, my God. It's always the smell, guys. It's always the guys. And uh, they smell horrible. I mean, you know, if it was maybe a, a spritz on the wrist and the chest or something, they'd smell all right, but... It's like all over. Yeah, they just... And then you, you know, I've seen people on first dates, and I'm like, how is this girl not just completely unattracted to this guy? What's going on? Yeah. And, uh, you know, she probably gets acclimated to it as the night goes on, because that's how your nose works, but that initial, like, come to the door, hey, Rob, what's up? Yeah. And you smell like a fucking cologne oh shop. you're trying too hard, Rob. Oh. And then she's already there. She's got to deal, deal with it. But by the time she's thought about calling her girlfriend, <laughs> she's already not. You know, she's already gotten accustomed to the smell, and she's like, "Oh, this is fine." And so she doesn't end up, you know, doing the emergency call. And then the second date, she realizes, "Oh fuck, that's why I didn't like him. I couldn't remember." Yeah, it's because of his fucking. But clothes. you know, 
women think they can change men, so maybe they're thinking, okay, all right. I'll just guy, tell him. I'll yeah. tell him not to. Well, the fifth date, I'm going to finally tell him, look, calm down on the cologne. Or, or let's go let's go shopping for a new cologne for you. I, I have a new smell. There you go. You know, get him a, get her a new, get him a new uh, odor. A side swipe his brain. Yeah. But get in there. Yeah. Get in there. But it's, uh, it's a lot. I mean, I've gone to movie theaters, and I've moved. Oh, Rose it is because suffocating. somebody had too much uh, cologne on. It's suffocating. And it's the same thing with, um, you know, very bad BO. And if you've been around someone, if, if you think you've been around someone who has bad BO just in, in um, you know, everyday life, and then you're around someone who genuinely doesn't take showers, it is a difference. Yeah. I was around somebody like that the other day that uh, you could tell they hadn't had a shower in a month. And, it is a uh, unique. It you develops. can smell them from twenty yards away easily. It develops like a fine wine. <laughs> yeah. That you do not want to drink. Yeah, that's not a fine wine. That's a shitty wine. Or it's a fine cheese. <clears throat> it's fine cheese. <laughs> it could be a fine cheese. It's a fine cheese. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think uh, women can have the same effect. I've had uh, people walk by, and I'm like, just stop. Get. Stop placing your uh, insecurities in your cologne. That's let me ask you perfume. This. Perfume, I guess, is the. Let me ask you both. this. I have a nose. I don't know why. I have a nose. I can tell, and I believe it's tampons. But I can tell when a woman is on is on the rag, or she's having her period. A, I can I can that's smell. A very outdated thing to say. Is it outdated? Why is it outdated? Oh, I don't know. On the rag just sounds fucking. Like a seventies. What are you? What are you calling? I don't know. Just a period. Just a period. It's the twenty first century. Just uh, be okay with your body. What you doing? I mean, I'm not saying I'm okay with it. It's a natural thing. I'm just saying we're talking about smells. I can, I can smell. That's weird. It is kind of weird. But what are you saying you're like a bear. I'm like a bear. <laughs> I'm like a bear. Not really. I'm not like it. Not like a gay bear. <laughs> But um, uh, yeah. But I can smell. I don't know why it is. And I guarantee we could go out and I could tell you this this girl right here, hmm. and we could ask her, and she'd say yes. Hmm. But she might not say. It. She might be offended. She might slap me. I don't know. But I can tell. That's weird. It's weird. I, I, there's there's a smell that I can smell. And it's not blood. I'm not talking blood. I'm talking about the the apparatuses that they're using to capture that blood. I can some. There's a there's a scent to it That's that weird. I pick up. What? So you th- you're, you're saying you smell like cotton or you smell like... Um... It's something like that, yes. I know, it's weird. That is weird. It's um... weird. I shouldn't have even brought it up. <laughs> 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 but I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like a superhero. You're like a superhero. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I don't I'm, know I'm, how that would be applicable. I'm on the rag man. Yeah. What would that name be for a superhero? I don't know, but you keep saying I'm on the rag, and it just sounds <laughs> fucking weird. It's hilarious. It sounds People weird. are going to love it. It sounds They're, weird. We'd already named this episode, but I think it's going to be the on the rag episode. <laughs> no, it's not, that's not good. No one's fucking going to watch this episode on the rag. Uh, they love the happy ending episode. That was a good name. Listen. <laughs> find, new, find a new term for your superpower, because that's not good. All right. I'll find it. Also, that was just funny. maybe start a support group. I don't think people are going to believe you. <laughs> maybe uh, I'm going to look that up after we get off and see if that is a thing. I mean, you know, 
we were just talking about pheromones. There are certain things that. Uh, well, I guess you're not you're not talking about pheromones. Though. You're just talking about cotton or. No, I don't think it's fair because, like I said, it's not like a it's not like an iron smell. It's not like a blood smell or anything. It's something with the apparatus, with the material. I don't know. It's hard to what if they just used a lot of toilet paper the last time? Well, gonna... yeah, I probably I'm probably going to catch everybody because I because <laughs> I think it's only. <laughs> I'm not trying to catch them, like Pokemon or something, but I think it's um, <laughs> I think it's I think it's only when they're wearing a tampon. I think it's a tampon smell that I smell. That is weird. I know. It is weird. <laughs> it's uh, but since we're on relationships, I got a couple. I got a couple. Of <laughs> That's your segue to relationships. Periods. Well, we were talking about relationships and dates and smells and cologne or whatever. But. Right. But I also had written down here to talk about um, rebound relationships, and I think I mentioned it to you earlier. Rebound relationships. Is that my mustache I'm seeing out there? Something I'm seeing on my face out of my eye or down here like that. It's a tampon. <sighs> but, yeah, rebound relationships. So, I don't know. I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, people always say, you know, a guy or a girl will get out of a relationship, right? They've been in a relationship for two, three, four, five years. Maybe... A 20-year marriage, like I did, right? Got out and, um, uh, you know, I had even gotten with somebody after I got divorced and somebody was saying, oh, it's not going to last. It's just a rebound relationship. Well, I don't even know what that means. I mean, a relationship is just a relationship, right? I mean, are you rebounding? And if you are rebounding, why could that relationship not work? You know, people say, oh, well, that first thing, that first relationship you get into after you're your breakup or your divorce or whatever is not going to last. That's just a rebound relationship. How many times is that? I'd like to do a study. I'd like to, to poll some people and see how many people got with that next person after they broke up or got divorced. And that was the one that they're with the rest of their life. I think it's a uh, product of mental capacity, you know, after. I think it, most of my relationships have been, and I've only had a few, but most of my relationships have been um rebound i guess is what you would say they've been they had been in a relationship after um and they uh, worked the out right? one. well obviously not i had multiple but no but i mean it wasn't like okay a month now okay well that's not going to work out that was just a rebound now move on to the next person oh no, no five no. people down the road now you're going to be okay you have to wait five people after a breakup you have I, to wait two people i think it's more a uh it's more pattern recognition, you know. The the reason it came up that um, the reason rebound relationships was termed, I think, is um, that you know most commonly it takes a certain amount of time to be um, emotionally okay with you know being alone and being away from uh, right. Whatever so it's a, so it's a mentality are. thing. How right. quickly can you recover? Yeah. If you're not recovered, then whatever relationship you're in probably is not going to last because you're not um, ready for it. You're not uh, emotionally prepared to. You know, accept responsibility for that relationship and, and put certain things into it because you're you're still over there. You know what I mean? And then other people get through that faster and the relationship they have after is um, totally fine. Same, the exact same thing. Um, and they can, you know, go a few years without, you know, having any problems or, or go the rest of their lives or whatever. Yeah. I but guess my problem with it is, is I think people get this mentality that, this first person I'm with after I just broke up is not going to work out because it's just a rebound because that's what society is telling me. That's what my best friends are telling me. That's what my girlfriends are telling me. That's what my buddy's telling me that, hey, that's just a rebound. It's not going to work out. So I just wonder sometimes, are we predisposed to that? Are we uh, not predisposed? What would the word be? Um, 
anyway, are we programmed to think that way? And are we, are we fucking up relationships that would otherwise work out because we have that mentality? It's ingrained. That's the word I'm looking for. It's, it's ingrained into us that that first relationship after a breakup is not going to work out because it's a rebound. Are we people. sabotaging yeah. that relationship? Oh, definitely. I mean, in a broader scale, not off topic, but um, in, uh, on an, in another uh, avenue of this topic, there are people, some friends of um, ours, that um, have that same have, have some kind Sweating. of preconceived notions about uh, relationships in general. They 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 think that they should work a certain way. Um, due to uh, their friends' relationships or whatever, and then they sabotage them because they're not working that certain way. And it's the same thing with uh, rebound. You know, there are some people like me. Most of my relationships are rebound relationships, um, and one of them happened to be uh, marriage. So, um, and I don't like. I think rebound is kind of weird. It makes it seem less than it is because I'm married to her now. But um, te- if you want to do the technical definition, that's what it is. And um, I think some people have that mentality of sabotaging themselves because of what other people are saying, and then other people just don't think. But I never thought about rebound relationships. You know, I had I had a uh, girlfriend in high school, and then after that, I had another girlfriend in high school that was about the same duration. And then after that, I had another girlfriend in college, and that was a little bit longer. And all of them were one after the other. There wasn't any uh, no dating or you know week long, month long relationships. It's all. Um, sequential so I don't know I think it's individual I think that uh, your social you know your um, friend group and stuff has a lot of bearing on how you act in relationships and sometimes it doesn't I think there is some you know there's a reason it became a term I think it's that mental capacity right probably more times than not it fails right because you're not you know whoever's not ready or um you know, just not uh, putting everything they should be putting into. Right. Just too much baggage or too much uh, resentment or too much uh, heartache or pain or whatever. And Right. Or you're just struggling between, uh, you know, being single now and, and uh, being back in a relationship. You know, you're not putting you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Well, a lot of people say, oh, get yourself back out there. Yeah, you need to date three, four, five, ten, ten people before you, you know, make a decision on a new relationship. Well, no, what if that the first person you fucking meet is the one that you're supposed to be with? And y'all just get along and, and everything just kicks off and hits off perfectly and you're happy. Why not just go with it? Why is it, you know, you just, I feel like people are sabotaging relationships sometimes when they don't have to. Oh, well, and that's a symptom of social media and the, the, the way things are. There's actually even, um, I, I, I just think, you know, there, there are a lot of books uh, they are not giving a fuck. There's a couple podcasts and, um, and things that put a very kind of uh, almost a religious mindset to it of not having sex till marriage and, you know, being with one person and, and valuing these things. And to a degree, they're um, completely right as I go through life and uh, become a little bit more educated on different topics. I don't think it's a uh, get out there and experience. I, I think there is a certain amount of experience that you should have. You know, I had, um, you know, like three three girlfriends before I got married. And right now... That is like being in, in, in the state of the world right now. That is basically not having being a virgin. Three partners. I mean, in in my generation, you you go out there and sow your wild oats as long as you can until you find um, someone you're all right with. 
I think it's kind of the opposite. I don't think you need, I, I, well, there's balance, just like everything. I think to a degree you need a little bit of um, experience to know what you like. Um, but it doesn't take that long. I mean, it doesn't take... Uh, Not really. Sometimes you know what you like and you don't even need to be with, with a person. I mean, you can right. just uh, you can you figure have, that out. You have ideals. Sometimes your ideals aren't even connected to sex and the opposite gender. Sometimes as long as you find a person that's... Um, kind of coincides with your interests you're fine that's it and uh again everyone's different in that regard but i think that the issue is that more value needs to be placed on these things you know everyone's uh one foot in one foot out in everything nowadays um same thing with marriage because divorce and everything is an option and there's so many divorces going on everyone just thinks Oh, well, you know, if we get divorced or you get a prenup or, you know, you, you start thinking about it right away when it should be more of a, no, I'm going to make a decision and just stand, stand in it, you know? Yeah. Lay in the bed I made. And, yeah, um, people people give themselves options or ways out. Right. And you say, oh, well, we'll see where it goes, you know? I'm married, but we'll see where it goes. You know, people right. change, which is true. People change. Situations change. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into a really long-standing marriage and... Um, you know, I'm talking about this as a fucking, I don't know, year and a half or something married guy. But, no, it's it's helped me to look at things, especially in my generation, who is all about doing what you want, getting out when you feel like it, um, being uh, okay with your decisions and your feelings are the ones that matter. No one can tell you that your feelings are wrong. Uh, I say fuck that. Your feelings are wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to be aware, aware of it and stick to your guns uh, in terms of the decisions you make. Um, and that goes for everything. I, I, uh, I am, um, to kind of go off topic, but just to relate it, I'm pro-abortion. However, I think if you have sex with someone irresponsibly, fucking deal with that decision. Um, in, in general, I don't really care, but if you were to ask me, I'd be like, listen, you made your bed, fucking lie in it. Yeah, and I can see that point for sure because I'm the same way. I'm pro-abortion, um, but yeah, sometimes you just got to stand up and and be a man, I guess, and right. uh, just take responsibility for your say, actions. You can't say it. You can't say it. <laughs> I just said it, but I put it in air quotes, so that that makes it okay. Okay. Well, the camera's off, so just to let everybody know, he put it in air quotes. It did. It did cut off. I told you we had 18 minutes left. No one come attack my father in his bedroom. Yeah. Don't, because I have a handgun in there. <laughs> that would be a, a sore, you'll be sorely mistaken. You'll be sorely... You'll be... Um, what the fuck am I trying to say? Sorry. Yeah, you'll be sorry. That's what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to overcomplicate it. Use fancy words. Fancy words. But, you know, I, I think that that has a lot to do with success in uh, relationships. And, you know, this is a whole other time. You know, I was about to say that I'm not really one to speak because I've only been in it for so long. But maybe I am one to speak. Fuck you. Maybe uh, maybe length of time doesn't make you Look, smart. Man, don't be so harsh to my listeners. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know people. I'm a, I'm gonna start uh, speaking philosophy on marriage. People are gonna be like, "You were married for a fucking year and a half. What do you know about the struggles?" Sometimes of you gotta figure it out, man. Sometimes you figure it out in Listen, a month. There are. Sometimes it takes you fifty years to figure it out. Yeah. And that's uh, individual. And some t- you, you can uh, learn something from me. I don't fucking care. Maybe you don't. Maybe you think I'm an asshole. But I think you uh, you put both feet in. That's that's the 
Well, that's, that's a good point. I like the way you put that. You know, having one foot, one foot in, one foot out. Because um, you know, even even when you're not even married, maybe when you're dating, um, a lot of times people will will have people on the hook. You know, they're talking to to one girl or one guy, and they've got four or five other people that they still kind of loosely talk to on the side, just so they have options. Right. Just in, th- in case things go south, they've got four or five other options over here without putting both feet into the relationship. And maybe that's why that relationship doesn't ever flourish and, and it fails because they don't have both feet in and they don't put all their effort into that, to, to growing and nourishing that relationship. Right. And that's, and that's not only for, um, you know, the opposite sex, it's for everything. If you got one foot into gambling and one foot into your marriage, you one of them is going to fail. Uh, if you got a hobby that you really enjoy that you're not willing to sacrifice uh, for your marriage, one of them is going to fail. It's all about having um, priorities in order. It's all about having, you know, deciding. But it's not saying you can have multiple interests and, and right. still balance all of those. But you can balance all of those. But when, but it's a it's a um, priority driven game. It's like it's like I love you. You're my father, right? I love Megan's family. But if anything were to happen to you. And at the same time happened to Megan. My priority has already been determined that my marriage is over everything else. I've started a new family. It's my wife. If, if it's the same circumstance, um, but it's Megan and you, I've already decided that it's Megan. You know what I mean? Um, and so you're putting priority in, uh, in certain things. Um, and I think it's a decision that you have to make right off the bat. Uh, it's, and it's something that is a cornerstone for the rest of your life. Um, I, I kind of liken it to religion. A lot of people place uh, a lot of bearing in religion into your faith, um, and that's a cornerstone of how they live their lives. And that's why it's so hard to discuss it, because if you make any kind of argument or um, point that might be uh, you know, important, that might be um, honest, that could totally dismiss or contradict their opinion, they, they still won't um, side with you or change their opinion because that's their cornerstone. You know what I mean? That's what they live their life based on. And to a lesser degree, I think that's, that should be what's um, big decisions like marriage and stuff like that. Um, that should be what it boils down to is you make a decision to hold that person above all else and you know, I don't really care about all the like the traditional stuff of in sickness and in health, but that stuff kind of applies. It's like, no matter what else is happening, no matter what hobby has to fall to the wayside or what I have to give up or um, your whatever that is, that thing is, um, you are more important than that thing, and that's what m- marriage is. But at the same time, you got to decide whether uh, you know if that person changes into a fucking asshole. Maybe uh, there are some situations where you don't do that, like abusive relationships and stuff like that. But yeah, so there's always there's always a caveat. <clears throat> but in general, I think there's a mindset that needs to happen for you to have a successful relationship. Right, I agree. A mindset, but also I'm only uh, a year and a half in. Fuck me. Yeah, who knows, man? You don't know. You don't know what's going on. Oh, fucking no. But we need to start wrapping this guy up, man. We're at uh, we're an hour and uh, fifty eight or fifty nine minutes. We're almost man. two hours in. 
Fuck that. Joe does like two and a half, three hours all the time. I know. We do. And we used to do it. We used to do two and a half hours consistently, but and we talk forever. Yeah, okay. What else you got? What else I got? If we're we're going to talk a little bit more. I got to go pee, though. That's on. We're going to take a pee break. Shit. Uh, we'll be back after these messages. But, um, yeah, hold on. We'll, uh, we'll pause for the cause. And we're back. Everybody took a little pee break. Um, damn, we should have grabbed a couple more beers over there while we're Motherfuck. up and about. You can do that, though, because the camera's not on. It's not going to see you. Mm. Camera mm-hmm. went off. So, yeah, guys, we're going to try and render some video on this thing. We're two two hours in. This is uh, the biggest podcast I've done since I've gone solo. So Back on track, man. Got guests. Thank you to thank you to Brian for coming in and being the first guest back in the studio. Guests. Um, what would you just say? The back on track? That's what we decided, right? Back on track. I was trying back to remember track, what, you, baby. what you said earlier. So that's what we're going to name the episode. Back the back on track. track episode. You've just been rambling by yourself for like fucking eight episodes i like it though no it's been way more than that <laughs> it's been it's been like 20 episodes yeah. that i've done solo so far I, I couldn't believe it when i looked it up the other day i'm like damn it's been that long you know since uh what uh, the first week of july and two episodes a week for the rest of july august and september i mean that's a lot of episodes yeah a lot of episodes there's a lot of episodes all right, so we were talking about uh, relationships. Um, rebound relationships. Rebounds, yeah. I think we think we kind of put that to rest. I had another note down here about uh, sexual partners. You want to go into that? I don't know. I don't even know uh, if that's still a thing anymore. Is it? There was. It was in uh, in high school. When I was in high school, it was a thing. So I guess it's. Maybe still think. Yeah, and I don't know what the what the math is or what the equation is. It's algebra, I think, maybe. I don't know. Geometry. It's not geometry. Could be geometry, but it's just it's not geometry. It's not geometry. I know it's not. It's maybe <laughs> maybe trigonometry. It's probably algebra for sure. It's probably just math. Probably just that addition subtraction. Yeah, just say math. But um people like to embellish. I mean people like to embellish just in general, really. But they definitely like to embellish um, their sexual partners. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why we're so scared just to say, look, I've slept with five people. I've slept with ten people. Some people can't even remember how many people they slept with. They slept with so many people. But it seems like it's been a thing ever since I was growing up and went to school. And I think it's still a thing because I heard it somewhere. That's what that's what brought it up. That's why I wrote it down. It's just funny how people, and by people I mean men and women, and I guess there's more than just that nowadays, right? Um, there's people that have no idea what gender they are. I'm not laughing at that. I guess I did chuckle for a second, but um, who am I to judge, right? But it seems like men always inflate the number of people that they slept with. So if, if they say, if they've only slept with three people, they might say they slept with uh, 10. I don't remember what the math is. How many? It's some kind of like up or down. I think it's seven, that, yeah. right? Or something. Something like that. So yeah, they've they've been with three people. They say, "Oh, I've been with ten because they want to look more manly and macho." And oh, I've I've bed a lot of women. I've got a lot of notches in my belt and whatever. And then the women are just the opposite. They don't want to seem like sluts, um, like they're just sleeping around with everybody and that they're all used up. So they might have been with ten people and they just say they slept with three. Um, so it's just the opposite. You know, men inflate, women subtract. 
um, just because of uh, stereotypes that we have um, in society. And I don't know when that came about, when that became a thing. Oh, it's fucking... If the caveman did it. Thousands of years, man. And, and it's all reciprocal. You know, the guys want uh, a higher number, and the girls want a lower number because the guys don't want girls who have higher numbers. Right. Well, I know, I know the reasoning behind it. Like I said, the women don't want to seem like sluts, and the men want to look like they're studs. Right. Um, but I just don't understand why the true number is not enough. Well, it's like a fucking, um, you know, this is what I always say. Our, um, our and if anybody has any ideas about any of this stuff that we're talking about, please email me, craftconversationspod at gmail.com, or hit me up on Facebook or Instagram or any of the avenues that I'm on out there. Send me a message. Send Brian a message. Hell, I don't care. Um, but yeah, if anybody has any conversation or not conversation, any input on these topics, if you know why people inflate and, and deflate, let us know. Also, disclaimer. Uh, I can talk about um, fitness and, and uh, shit, but everything else outside of that, I have no fucking clue. I'm not an authority on any of that shit. Just an enthusiast. We don't need nobody suing us. We don't need disclaimer. <clears throat> Listen, today, <laughs> in today's world, you gotta fucking watch your back. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. Watch your back. But I play one on a podcast. <laughs> but. Um, we're not relationship you know, experts, guys. What happens but is... But we're just trying to have a discussion and, and conversation about it. That's all podcasts is, is um, two people talking about shit they don't understand. Yeah, we're just trying to bring stuff up to get people to think about it. But, you know, what uh, What I always think is, uh, you know, we have a, a higher consciousness that kind of separates us from the natural... It's our, it's our special thing um, as apes that we have a higher consciousness... And because we have a higher consciousness, we've gotten to this point where, um, you know, our thought kind of supersedes our nature. And, you know, some people might dis- disagree with that, but uh, or, or think that it works in conjunction or whatever. But I think that we've gotten to a point where thought supersedes nature. And now we're considering, you know, all of these principles that we've held to and these standards and um, social structures and everything um, that have largely been dictated by the um, natural process of Man versus woman. That's what it is. Um, and it's it's all just a subjugation. It's all just a power play. Men want to be powerful and subjugate women. And uh, women want to be appealing to the subjugating man. And it's all just a fucking symptom of, of that natural process. And now we're higher beings. We're fucking at a level of consciousness where we're like, well, that's fucking wrong. That's... Something we should try and work toward, work away from, um, and so now we have these questions on like why do people act like this? But to understand and change it, you have to understand that it was once a natural phenomenon, and that's how it. That's how all these things happen. It's all these how these sayings and social structures happen, is because that's how life is. Was until we started thinking about it. Right, and you know I bring this up, and now that I think about it. I want to say that the pendulum, maybe not the pendulum, but I feel like that has changed a little bit now. I feel like women don't give a shit anymore. No. If, if they slip with 30, 30 men or 100 or whatever, I don't, I don't feel like they're skewing their numbers. I feel like men still are. I feel like women have given up and said, fuck it. I don't give a fuck how many people I slip with. I'm a woman. Henry Ward. Right. Well, it's because the... Per- well, and again, I'm not an authority on any of this fucking shit, but to me, it is... Um, 
that women have gone through a movement that they're, they're still going through um, of feminism and being equal to other people. And men have had less of, less progress in that area. So you already we're already, you know, in terms of socio-political standing, people think we're already um, superior, and we have been for a while. But that doesn't mean that we're um, we're healthy, you know, that we're right, you know. So there's this hierarchy that, that women have been fighting against, and I think successfully, and um, people have been thinking a little differently and um, trying to restructure things, but men have lagged behind. Uh you, everything you hear about toxic masculinity and misogyny and all this stuff is, um, it's not only a man versus woman issue, it's a man versus man issue as well. It's a, oh, you know, I got the bigger dick, um, you're a faggot type of mentality that's uh, still present in male society, even though uh, female society is changing pretty drastically. And it's that thing that makes women go, I don't give a fuck. And men are still in the in the stage of I'll kick your ass if you um, call me gay type of thing. You know what I mean? It's this kind of uh, masculinity that you're raised in in, in in some places that tells you that you got to beat the shit out of someone, and be superior, and have sex with a bunch of people, and um, be be stronger than everyone else socially and and physically and mentally, and be this domineering person, which. You know, it precludes itself to all these things that people are fighting against, rape culture and sexual harassment and all this stuff is kind of a bred out of those those um, topics. So, I don't know, that's what I think is women are progressing, men are staying stagnant, and uh, attention needs to be placed on both. Right. So, I don't know, I'm not going to... I don't think I'm going to go into that any further, but I just want to bring that up. I think that's just an interesting fact um, of life that's happened for the past, as long as I've been alive, uh, people have been doing it. Men inflate, women subtract, so send me some comments. Let me know what your thoughts are on it. I'd like to hear what uh, other people out there think about it. How many comments? When you, uh, when you tell people to give you comments, how many comments do you get? It depends. I mean... Um, usually it's at least a handful. Okay. Could be more. I get a lot of feedback. Mostly it's through uh, Messenger, to be honest with you. On Facebook, people message me uh, individually yeah. or personally and say, yeah, I like this or I like that or I didn't agree with that or this is because of that. You mentioned this and here's the facts on that and whatever. People give me some feedback. Yeah. Kind of give me some corrections or give me some thoughts, opinions, whatever. So, yeah, I'll let you know when I get feedback on this episode. This episode. The Back on Track episode. Back on Track, baby. (laughs) Talking about real shit. Talking about real shit. So, what else you got? That's about all I got. I don't know, man. You can talk about everything. I I love talking about things. We've hit, we've hit a lot of topics. Talk about that. Uh, you know, it's National Pitbull Month. It is. That's what I've heard. Anyway, I haven't fact checked that. Talk about I just your, heard that. Talk about our dogs, man. Leia, which is uh, your dog. Leia. Leia. She's straight pitbull. Uh, well, 
we're not positive on that. She's, I think she's mixed with a little something, but I mean, she was a rescue, so they're not. Right. We don't have any records. I mean, her to jo- verify her jaw and her body type suggests that she's all pit bull. But anyway, point of this is pit bulls are great. We have a uh, pit bull lab mix at the house, and uh, she is wonderful, so sweet. And um, I've known another pit bull that was kind of neurotic, but still sweet. Not not my type of dog, but she wasn't aggressive by any means. Uh, and my grandparents, your parents, have a pit bull mix as well. Who was uh, skittish because he was in a traumatic house household before they got him. Yeah. But uh, the sweetest dog ever after he got, you know, past some trepidations. Right. So I just looked this up. I'll pa- interrupt for a second here. So October is National Pit Bull Awareness Month, and October 27th is National Pit Bull Awareness Day. Whether you love pit bulls, hate them, or, or are indifferent, I hope you'll take a moment to reflect on what they mean and why they matter. The pit bull is more than a dog. It's a symbol. It is. It's a symbol of the nature of humanity as well. Just to, just to broaden the, the philosophical perspective on pit bull month. You know, we, we train these dogs to fucking fight. Make them aggressive because they have a, a, a body type and a, a jaw that predisposes them to be really, really good at biting the shit out of shit. And uh, and here's what I think on that on this whole subject too. Um, you know, I, I think there was a period, and I don't know how many generations it's been. Maybe two, three generations of dogs. You know, since the the whole kind of uproar with pit bulls went about and said, "Oh, pit bulls are just horrible. They attack everybody. They they kill children. They're just they're bad dogs." But I think it's just like people. I mean, we have epigenetics and we have genetics, and I think some of these things kind of go through generational changes and they I think we have kind of bred that out of not completely but I think we're we're finally breeding that out of the pit bulls and not breeding it by just breeding different dogs but I think genetically I think genetics hold a memory would you agree with that that we pass down certain memories through our genetics to future generations that people Will sometimes think certain ways or do certain things because that was passed down in their genetics to, to, to do and thinks those things. Talking about Assassin's Creed. That's what you're talking. Is that about. what we're talking about? Oh yeah. So I think pit bulls. I think we we're slowly getting that out of the genetics to where a pit bull is an aggressive dog. Maybe. I mean, I brought it up the other day. I think that's a fair point. Things have uh, things have memory. Tissue has memory. To bring it back to uh, fitness, tissue has pain memory, but. Um, like if your you know your grandmother was deathly afraid of snakes, somehow I think that gets ingrained into you to have a fear of snakes. You something know, like that. You, you know can. There are some studies, and it might be a little fringy, um, but some studies that say that uh, your psychological actions dictate a lot of turning on and turning off of genes. So it's not it's not uh, unfair to say that you can totally change genes and change your genetics based on memory or based on psychology. But I more think it's, uh, well, not more think, I would like to present another option, Um, is that pit bulls have a very polarizing personality. 
So uh, if you raise it to fight and be aggressive, it's going to fucking be the most aggressive and most um, most fierce thing in uh, the animal kingdom, you know what I mean? But if you give it a good home and you treat it uh, with respect and you are kind to it, I think it's the, the complete opposite, almost, you know, too exuberant, too joyful, very pleasant and nice and uh, loves everything and everyone, doesn't bark, doesn't... Uh, do anything to make life hard for any, anybody. And so, you know, it could be the genetic, genetic scene could be a little deeper, but, you know, or it could be just treat your dog right, man, and they'll, they'll uh, I mean, be just, better. Just like a person. You put a person in a cage, you put a, you put a, a choke collar on them, you, put, uh, you don't feed them, uh, you make them fight every day with a couple other people in some other cages. They're going to be an aggressive person. They're going to be an asshole. Right. Which is why we should legalize opioids. <laughs> right. Or don't, mushrooms, at least. We don't need mushrooms. Make, don't make criminals. Don't. DMT, mushrooms. Um. Don't make criminals. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that episode. Oh, no. I'm not, I won't get into the opioid thing. I could go for days on the opioid things. Yeah. If you've ever watched uh, Oz, the HBO show? Oh. Who has not? Exactly. The lawyer gets put in there over like... You know, five seasons, he fucking becomes gay and murders a bunch of people. Yeah, he's like one of the worst. Right. So, um... It was, it was all know, situational. Same for pit bulls, you know. Don't uh, make your pit bull murder people. Right. Let him be a lawyer. Exactly. But <laughs> Leia's... <laughs> Leia is a great dog, and my dog, Gloria, is a great dog, and uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Abby, she's uh, my in-law's dog. She's great. She's a... We think a pit bull mix, but yeah, Karen from the Keto Dojo. She's the one to turn me on to this pit bull, uh, pit bull, pit bull uh, awareness. She month. does look like a ball. She's yeah, a wrecking ball. And um, yeah, she's got. Uh, I think she's got four dogs over there now in her house. She she rescues a lot of them, and she, I think she adopts a lot of them, and and or or, or pulls them in and helps get them out for adoption. Helps people, you know, um, take over these pets or whatever bring them into their home so she's out there doing great stuff for uh, pit, pit bull awareness and uh she's got some great dogs over there too yeah. and they're all just loving and you know all they do is lick you all day and sit in your lap and they're not aggressive whatsoever and they're just the most loving friendly yeah. the most the 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 most aggressive thing you'll get out of them is that they're just so fucking happy to see you that they just barrel into you yeah that's the most aggressive part but other, i mean reed Alex's uh, friend in high school, he had a pit bull. I think, I think pure, pure pit bull. Same thing, just an amazing, friendly, exuberant dog that just ran around with you. You could uh, you could play with it, and it'll gnaw on your arm and not do anything harmful and just play with you and get so excited when it sees you around. And they're just good dogs. They're good dogs. Fantastic. And I never smart. thought I would own one. And they're smart. Yeah. They're very smart. Super smart. They're, uh, you know, I've I've got a lot of in-laws. Arlo, you've met Arlo. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, pure breed poodle, I'm pretty sure. Fucking neurotic. <laughs> I mean, he's he's nice. Uh, he's not my type of dog. But, um, you know, he's smart, but in like a serial killer kind of type of way. Like neurotic and... Uh, which I've heard pure breeds are in general. In my experience, 
purebred dogs have been worse than mixes. Oh yeah, and they're they're more expensive. They're not for good cause. Crazy expensive. Um, and you got all kind of other dogs out there, rescues and and, and and adoptions that need a home and need care, and people are breeding these purebred dogs and charging enormous oh, yeah. amounts of and, money for them. And breeding them in good situations to where if no one adopts them, they're still in a good situation. But yeah, you know that's besides the point. The point is, pit bulls are great and smart and awesome. But I will say, we've had a friend who has adopted a pit bull, uh, an older pit bull. Uh, who didn't have a very friendly home. And it's hard to redeem a pit bull who has been through certain situations. Uh, Like I said, you know, sometimes you can find a dog like Cody, who's a pit bull mix, uh, who's been through a horrible situation. Uh, He had his firecrackers lit to his tail and a bunch of tied up with chains and ropes and whatever. Right. And, uh, a bunch know, of rubber bands on his tail. They had to amputate his tail and shave yeah. his whole back off because of uh, you know the firecrackers and whatever fireworks. So yeah, so very traumatic. And then that dog became a great dog, perfect, really well around. You know, he was a little skittish at first, but perfect around children, perfect around adults, whatever. Still skittish though. Yeah, there little thunderstorms or Fourth of July, New Year's right, Eve right. when fire fireworks going off just gets insane, uh, crazy with that, but. Yeah. But you know it's a uh, redeem redeemable in in some sense, but then there's dogs and this was a pit bull through and through large jaw very muscular very big, and um, just too aggressive. He he was sweet sometimes, but he didn't have a there was no line between play and aggression. Um, so you know you'd get bit and there was no there was no uh, warrant for it. You know and and when you look at the dog, it doesn't seem like it's. Uh, mad at you or aggressive or anything but um, it's just it's level of play right it had no it, it didn't have any ba- it didn't have boundaries in terms of uh, the physicality of play and the physicality of like fighting so in that situation you know our, our friends did a bunch of training and a bunch of things and just never got better and eventually I had to put it down because it was just too much it was, a, it was um, detrimental to the people around the dog so they had to put it down but you know just in it you know you put it in a situation where it uh, gets a certain way you can't you can't get it back out but if you get get your pit bull puppy from the pound or you know within three years or something and it's had okay experiences then pit bulls are great yeah and I mean I think there's avenues out there where they probably could have helped that other dog I mean there's dog therapists you know well, depending on how much <clears throat> school, money. Schools, you know, obedience schools, whatever. I mean, you could probably retrain, but it, it costs money. It costs time. Um, yeah, how much, you know, how much is your dog worth, really, at that point? Yeah. It's a lot of money, a lot of money to do training. A lot of money. Yeah. But Pitbull Awareness Month. Everybody go uh, pet a Pitbull. Yeah, get a Pitbull. Go to any pound out there, any uh, animal society, any... Um, Whatever, and you're gonna see ninety percent pit bulls, wild pit bulls, or mixes, whatever. Pit bulls and, and don't get love. Pit bulls and black dogs. Black dogs, elder dogs. Yeah, yep. Everybody wants the cute little puppy, and then they get that cute little puppy, and they're like, "Fuck this puppy! It's too much work." Right, it's too much. Yeah. Puppies are fucking a lot of work. My my uh, wife and I almost didn't uh, didn't make it in our relationship. 
because of a puppy. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> we went through like four dogs that almost got us divorced before we uh, finally got uh, Samantha. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's hard, man. It's hard to. It's a kid, you know, for for a shorter duration than you know a kid takes. A kid takes a lot of work for a long period of time, but a puppy takes a lot of work for a short period of time, but for, but a lot of work. Yeah. Trust me, I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of work. Almost more than a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never had a kid, but I can imagine. I mean, you know, you guys peed on a few things. You didn't. You weren't chewing up stuff, though, and you weren't chewing up tables and chairs. That's true. We didn't cause pro- property and, damage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't do that. But, yeah, you, you, you have your fair share of damage with a child, but dogs, man, they can tear some shit up. I guess that's true. That's uh, one of the things you learn in anthropology is uh, humans are very um, fragile as a an infancy oh compared to any other species yeah, out there to any yeah other species you know most species come out and they're walking right away mm-hmm. and chewing shit up like a puppy yeah. but it, and the reason i know this is is one of the um it's one of the arguments for monogamy which a lot of people say monogamy is not natural which it may not be but they said that in the human species it's essential because of the fragility of infancy and that their um chances of survival were like quadrupled when you had two parents um, or, or just two single parents in terms of like bouncing around from multiple partners or, you know, whatever. And nature yeah. does. But yeah, super fragile. Babies fucking suck. Yeah. In terms of uh, being able to survive. Right. So... You want to end on that? Babies are fragile pieces of shit. Yeah, I think we're going to end on that. We're not going to end on that, but I think we're going to wrap this puppy up, man, because it's late. It's uh, 1.30 in the morning. We still got to edit this boy. We still got to uh, still got some stuff to do. So, yep. And it's been a long one. We're at 2.25 right now, so we're going to wrap this up. Let's do this. Get back on track, baby. Well, yeah, only with a guest am I going to go that long. But. <laughs> so, um... Let's wrap this thing up with this. So we always do a David Goggins. Um, I did one earlier in the week when I did my, my last podcast, but that was last week's Goggins, so I'm going to do this week's Goggins. Hold on, hold on, hold on. My watch just told me it's time for bed. You can do you can do the Goggins. The Goggins thing is going to be a good send-off. I've liked the Goggins things for a send-off. i just like to uh, tell everyone to look up Paragon Athletics on Instagram. Follow us, like us on Facebook. We have a lot of good information, even if you aren't uh, in Flagstaff. We have uh, a lot of informative videos on exercises you can do for your aches, your pains. Feel free to, uh, you know, contact um, either of the Brian Dales for info on um, fitness. Um, I can't say nutrition legally because I am not, uh, I have no kind of uh, education in nutrition. But I am uh, an enthusiast in nutrition, so I'd love to talk to you about it. But... Regardless of all that, follow Paragon Athletics on Instagram or Facebook and um, see what we're all about. Learn some stuff. Do some exercise. Move your body. All right. Do your David Gotten shit. All right. <clears throat> so what did David say uh, Monday? 
And again, I haven't read through this, so I don't have it all mapped out where I'm going to do it uh, justice um, speaking-wise. Is that what I'm saying? I don't know. I always seem to mess up his uh, quotes because I've just, I don't know. I can't read, I guess. Reading is fundamental. She say fundamental or fundamental? Fundamental. <laughs> I always mess that word up. So use people's comfort as your strength. Why work at it at 3 a.m.? Because no one else is. In life, you are constantly looking for an edge. You have to find it when and where no one else is looking. It's not about the running, push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups. Those are all just tools to strengthen your mindset. A hard mindset isn't formed while sitting on the couch, wishing you had the discipline to do more. It is those early morning wake-up calls and workouts that suck the most that will draw strength. That, God damn it. It is those early morning wake-up calls and workouts that suck the most that you will draw Fuck, I fucked it up again. It is those early morning wake-up calls and workouts that suck the most that you will draw strength from and find more when you need it most. If you think I want to get up at 3 o'clock in the fucking morning and do anything, let alone run, you are sadly mistaken. I just know that this day and many other days like this one that will come back to help me in life. As you see, I didn't say that it will help me in a race, rather life. Don't be the person who needs a race or an event in front of them to train. Be the person that is constantly training so they are in shape mentally and physically just in case a race comes up or life just happens. Thoughts? Beautiful. But I do I, I want to take this moment to mention that uh, David Goggins had a lot of trauma in his life, which spurred a lot of this um, mental fortitude. I think trauma has a big place in uh, how success or yeah, how successful you are in life. Um, and he's had a lot of it. So if you're comparing yourself to David Goggins, don't. But he is in a situation to give you some uh, motivation, some inspiration. So, you know, take everything, use it as you will in your life. But realize that he's gone through some shit he didn't just uh, happen upon his level of fitness and his mindset. He has been through... Um, trials and tribulations that gain him a certain perspective and a certain wisdom that he imparts on you. Take it as you will. Right. And I like what he says, you know, you don't have to have a race or an event in front of you to, to train, just fucking get out there and train. But on the other hand, I like to have, I like to have, and I think I like to tell people to have a race or an event in front of you to make you train. I think it works both ways. I think if you want to mentally callous your brain and, and really get mentally tough, then yeah, you should be able to do it without having an event in front of you. But I think for most of us, we need that carrot out in front of us to, we don't need it, but I think it helps to have that carrot out in front of us to have a goal in mind. I think you need, To keep us accountable. I think you need a carrot. I don't think you need a, an event. I think you can go for other things too. Um, right, not necessarily an event, but at least a goal. Something that right. you're reaching towards or, or striving for. You need a goal and you need to continually update it, whether it's I want to do a push-up in the next month, I want to do a pull-up in the next month, I want to run a 5K, I want to run a marathon, I want to you know, join a gymnastics gym or be good at jiu-jitsu, whatever it is. You need you do need a physical goal, a purpose. A purpose is, is, a, is a better way to say it um, for everything. You know, people, the, the life expectancy of people past retirement is significantly less so than if you are working. And that's because there's a purpose to your life. 
If you don't have a purpose to physical activity, then you will not succeed more often than not. So find your purpose. It has. It can be small. It can be big. It can be uh, an overarching goal or a monthly, weekly goal. Whatever it is, you do need a carrot in front of you. I, I, I believe that as well. Right. And I think he's talking more for the people that want to be the baddest of the badass. Don't wait for that that goal or don't right. don't have that uh, carrot in front of you. Just get out there and fucking do it. Well, he has a carrot too. His carrot is fuck you. His carrot is... I he does have carrot. You know, he doesn't hate himself, but his carrot is I want to be better than myself. I want to be, um, you know, fuck, fuck you, fuck, fuck my mentality. I want to be better right. than that. So his goal is to be better tomorrow than he was the day before. Right. And again, that's because he, that was shaped, uh, from his, um, past experiences. So that's what his carrot is. Right. So on that note, find your carrot, get on with it, chase it. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>